Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is that wonderful man, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, it's um, I'm glad to be back in this. It feels like weirdly, you know, like like. Uh, like uh, out of out of practice, you know. I feel like I'm not I'm I'm not in my usual footnote mode because you and me haven't done footnotes in so long. True, it's almost like uh, it's like training camp. We're we're just like it's like first week of training camp, getting back into it, back in the saddle again, buddy. As they say, uh, but we have yep. been uh, all over the world this summer recording footnotes for you, and unfortunately, <laughs> these have not made it up to the uh, broadcast area yet. Yeah. <clears throat> but that changes today, everyone. Sorry. Excuse me, because <laughs> uh, we are putting up today kind of a, a best of turn out of punk footnotes from this entire summer. Chris and I had the opportunity to record ones when I was traveling for this wrestling show that I've been working on. And uh, it's called the wrestler. Now, Chris, we've got, we've got a name, the wrestler. Sorry. Nice. Um, and so we've been traveling all over the world, filming it. And so Chris and I got record footnotes for you. I think the first one was recorded here. The second one's in Japan, maybe. And then we're going to be yeah, recording back I, here again. Yeah. I thought maybe there was one other country, but it might have just been a conversation rather than a show. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, the Japan one's fun. I think everyone's going to get uh, a kick out of that because we talk a lot about records. And, uh, I think you should have done both, uh, you should have like for the actual show, I think <clears throat> you should have done like the, the show and you also should have had like privately, um, them like filming your record, uh, exploits in Japan at the same time for like an off, like for like this. I will tell you that the last thing this crew wants to do is have to film <laughs> me more and hear me talk more. I've been on them I just to listen to the podcast. Like I've been like, you guys got to listen to this podcast that I did. Blah blah. blah. And they're like, the last thing we want to do is hear you talk anymore, Damien. And I was like, <laughs> fair enough. Fair well, enough. get you a GoPro then, and you can do it yourself. Do do like the lineup waiting and the broing down and all that business. <laughs> well, turned out a punk kind of a reveal. Uh, I just finished recording an episode with MVP. Turned out a punk, you know, perennial favorite MVP, and yeah. Uh, uh, it is, it, it, I, I thought I had interviewed him a lot between this podcast and the yet to be unpublished vice interview that was very long, but I think I interviewed him more than I've interviewed anyone in my life this weekend. I think he might, he and I may have talked 
Short of you and I talking for this podcast more than I've talked to any human being on the record in, longer in my life. <laughs> nice. That made any sense. Well, I can't, uh, I cannot wait to, to see these things and what have you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I can't wait to show them. I'm really excited for everyone to see this stuff. It feels weird because at this point I'm, uh, you know, hurtling towards, uh, the completion of this project and I'm trying to take it all in, but I'm so exhausted that it's, it's getting harder to take it all in. Like when I sit down and try and process all the places I've been to film this thing, it's like, wow, I thought I'd traveled a lot for being in a band, but I think I've traveled more (laughs) in this one year or this half year for this project than I ever did touring and fucked up. Like, yeah, I would agree. And specifically there, there was definitely places you wouldn't, you hadn't gone or wouldn't maybe go up to. So yeah. 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 I agree. You're always away. Yeah. No. And I realized now, like I thought punk crossed a lot of cultural, you know, uh, barriers and boundaries. And I definitely saw punk, you know, in a lot of places I went and, you know, certainly in Japan got to experience punk culture as you'll hear on this thing coming up, but I never got to, uh, I don't know. Like I, I just, I never realized how much wrestling is a universal thing in a way that punk isn't, you know, I would say no music is, you know, like it yeah, was, I think it, it was weird to see that there was music. I could that, see that being the case though. Yeah. Like music didn't translate in some of these places in the way that wrestling did. That makes sense to me though. Cause sport, wrestling to me is you know whether or not people agree is is sport related at the very least if not i feel it's a sport but uh so therefore that's more of a uh whatever more of a a global thing in any respect you know whereas me i guess music's a global thing too to be fair but yeah i I don't know i don't i I feel what you're saying though I i know what you mean by what you're trying to hint at there yeah i would say european football and wrestling are the only things i saw represented everywhere I went. And in some places it wasn't represented in the same way, you know, like in Japan or even yeah. America, you know, I don't think it, you, you find it in the same way that you find wrestling. Yeah, but, I, I can know. see that. I mean, it's, it's, it just depends. I'm curious, like, well, I don't want to, we don't, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag on your, your episodes here. Cause I kind of want to see them when they come out as is. So I, I already have a bit of a talking to you, but uh, but yeah, just, I'm, I'm very curious, especially about the Congo stuff, but we don't need to get into too much of that. Cause I, I want to see it when it comes out. Yeah. Let me do uh, spoiler alert for everyone. I did not find any punk records in the democratic Republic of Congo. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, spoiler alert on that. There's no, no, uh, you know, that was like at Bolivia. Also, I didn't really find any punk stuff and I, I did see the word punk spray painted on a building, but that was kind of the extent. And I did look and I had our local, uh, kind of producer look for us too. And to no avail. Huh? Um, So there you go. So, but anyway, you will hear all about some of these exploits on this coming footnotes episode. Uh, but then Chris and I will be back at the end because we got to talk about all the episodes that aren't covered in this you know, kind of like sweeping little mixtape that you'll hear right now. Yeah. 
Uh, so everyone sit back, relax, and enjoy Chris and Damien on Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> Great, Damien. How you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be uh, a home. I was in Chicago last night recording next week's episode live at the uh, Chicago House of Vans uh, event that they put on with Toys That Kill, an incredible band from the West Coast, uh, the legendary D4, and Dillinger 4, of course. And, uh, and then, of course, and then it was headlined by the Lawrence Arms, who are, you know, bona fide hometown heroes. I can say that I've witnessed it now firsthand, and they are definitely, uh, you know, heroes there and it was like an incredible thing to kind of see it's amazing to get to watch a band in their hometown you know and and that's popular you know like i don't get to experience it that often so but like other bands like getting to watch other bands do it is is awesome like you know seeing alex on fire and saint Catharines, for example or or you know the any of you know this was that kind of experience so it was a great show yeah and i cool. got to record some podcasts so yeah nice man yeah it's gonna be coming out in the future you recorded it with every group with one group or yeah well toys that kill i didn't do but uh i talked to todd backstage of of fyp and recess records fame and uh he said yeah he'd do a podcast so i'm going to do a podcast with him uh in the near future but yeah i did one with all of the lawrence arms uh you know like uh brendan chris and neil and then i did eric and patty from Dillinger four. So all those people that have requested Dillinger four, you get a double shot and it's, it's unfortunately very brief, but both of them have agreed to come back very soon. And I'm going to make that happen immediately because nice. wow, it was fun. It was definitely all of them are great. And like the, the Lawrence arms one, all three of them have agreed to come back and do other episodes too, because, oh, you know, that was short too. And once again, very sweet. Very sweet. So it'll be very sweet to do more. Cool, man. So it wasn't all of them at once. It was like band by band kind of thing? Yeah, it was band by band. Gotcha. Okay. I just didn't know if it was like a full like group thing or whatever. Gotcha. Cool. No, they wanted, they were like, that's what they were going to try and do. And I'm like, ah, I think it would work much better if I did band by band. Yeah. And so that's what we did. So, um, yeah, that's going to be coming out next week. And uh, then hopefully you and me can record uh, footnotes about it in some form or other in the future. Yeah, for sure, man. As footnotes now takes on a digest format. <laughs> we try, yeah. <laughs> As we've now had to move into the digest phase. Anyway, Chris, how are you doing? Good, man. I can't, uh, not much to report. Things are decent. Um, mainly watching the ongoings of all friends, traveling and doing uh, fun things that I'm not doing at the moment, including yourself. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, things are good. I can't complain. 
Uh, well, you know what, Chris, I hopefully, you know, we'll figure a way for you to come on these two, because that's the one thing that is missing from the turn out of punk live experience. <laughs> tool, of course. So we have to, we got to figure that out. But you know, right now I can speak from firsthand experience. You better make sure you have all your documents in check when you cross the border, if you're a band out there, because they are being really strict right now. Holy God, do they put me through a ringer on that. <laughs> it's um, a whole new world, uh, that, that south of the border presently, I think. Yeah, yeah. South of our border, we should clarify, in oh, Canada. Specifically, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and also in Mexico right now, it's an interesting time. You know, they have a an interesting, you know, situation with their president, of course. And anyway, worth looking into as well. Um, but this is not <laughs> that podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about the records we buy in these countries, not what actually is going on that matters in these countries, unfortunately. Uh, speaking of which, I bought records in Chicago, Chris. Have you bought any records recently? Uh, I have. Um, Where'd you pick see. up? I have them right near me. Pick I up. picked up uh, because someone. Uh, yeah, we'll go through this. This is this will be a fun little bit. Um, I picked up a contemporary, slightly contemporary, probably probably three years old now. I'm thinking uh, record by the band Freedom on oh, yeah, on back to back. They're from Detroit, I believe. Um, someone was selling their distro. Sorry, their seven inch in a distro, like whatever. Uh, and I never had the 7-inch. I still haven't heard the LP, but people were raving about that LP, I think, a year or so ago. So I got the 7-inch either way. Decent band. I've seen them live. Uh, I got I got Back, Back from a Grave, uh, Volume 3, uh, which I did not have for whatever dumb reason. And uh, I got – and this was, at, this was in your local city. A couple people uh, or someone traded some of the stuff in. I got the Head Coats, Head, head Coatitude. Um, and which is another good one and, uh, scored a garage sale find of, uh, the second Iron Maiden LP for, uh, uh under a dollar. And that's the scores I've got lately. Yeah, man, it's great. It's a, it's a Canadian domestic copy and, uh, your favorite front person of Iron Maiden. Yes, definitely my favorite. The, the only one. Who doesn't fly planes and win sword fights, though? <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's what I scored. Nothing too crazy, but uh, I am kind of psyched about those um, the records I scored in Toronto. But yeah, um, but what did you get in uh, in the lovely Chicago? Well, I got uh, I finally got my records back uh, from uh, RJ that I bought at his store. I've got like a lot of records to go through. Should I go through them all? Well, whatever. Go, go, highlight them. We can go through them all. This is what this yeah, show yeah, is. But I mean, if you want, to actually, I'll just go through it. Chicago. I went to uh, in Chicago. I noticed some things while I was picking up these records, and I bring it up in the podcast next week. But there's a a, a huge number of seven inch compilations out of Chicago. Okay. Like huge number of, from the nineties. You know, but uh, I got the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You don't have to agree with me on that, Chris, but I'm just definitely pointing that out for. Uh, I, I don't like. I can't think of many. I'm sure you're right, but none like jump out at me. It's like the Welcome to Chicago comp. There, I'll go through it. I'll go through these records first. But uh, I got the Eyes single, which is a um, an Illinois based sort of power pop new wave record. Um, 
that I'm stoked to cool. check out. Uh, I got one of the aforementioned comps from that uh, area, the decline comp of Western of the Western suburbs. And it features um, a lot of bands uh, or four bands, I should say target slap happy weed eater and apocalypse Hoboken. And that band slap happy is uh, the pre braid band, a pre braid band. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and then Oliver Lawn, which uh, I, I a future guest uh, it, is it was in this band and told me that the lead singer apparently was a writer on Mister Show, Mike Olson. Huh? But I don't know. This band's called Oliver. Yeah, I think Lawn. we've talked about this before. Yeah, you mean yeah, we tried he, to figure you're that out. You're talking Olive Lawn from San Diego. Olive Lawn, right? yeah, Olive. sorry, Olive Lawn, yeah. 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 Um, uh, I got that single, the first one. Um, got a instant mo- punk rock song, just add yeah. water. That's the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And then Moto Four Pack single. You know Moto uh, Masters of the Obvious. I don't know that one. Um, it's like a kind of like really fuzzed out garage, uh, like punk record, but with like drum machine. Oh, weird. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty. What uh, year? I don't have too many. Records. Is it new? Or what, like nineties like era? Like ninety six. The single from so it's like nineties ish. Uh, and then uh, I got a record for my brother, but I'm not going to say what that is for his birthday. Um, because I haven't given it to him yet, and he's probably going to hear this podcast. Before. <laughs> Fair enough. Record. Uh, and then I got the BB and the Gun single, Step by Step. And I don't know. I don't care. Um, which is like a power pop single, once again, kind of Illinois area. The Apartment single, you know that band? They're Welsh. Cool. I don't know that either. Like, what what, what uh, era is that one? 79. 80s? Oh, it's late. Nice. Um, and it's, uh, oh, no, they're from Bristol, so I guess. Oh, no, the uh, Heartbeat Records is from Bristol. Maybe they were Welsh. Um, but it's like a new wave record, but it's a... Uh, yeah, it's got a record I've been looking for, so I was stoked to find it. Um, and uh, then a Harvey Milk split with Hayride. And then an Angry Angles single. Um, oh, nice. Which one? The uh, one where they're both on the cover? No, no. It's the one with the girl on the cover, Apartment Transplant. Cool. And then, uh, Yeah, like I'm, I've, I kick myself now that I didn't buy all these records when they were like new. Um, I'm at that point in my life where there's like records I regret not buying when they were available. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Which, you know, cause now they're premium price when you find them. Uh, that, like that angry angles was premium price. Well, it was like 20, 25 bucks. Wow. That you're telling the apparent transparent, whatever. So like the green woman on the cover or whatever. Yeah. And I got the green vinyl version. Oh, okay. So you got some gotcha. Yeah, it's like the limited version, you know, which I definitely could have probably got off the band, or at least Jay at some point. But you know, yeah, a lot of regrets. That's in that. crazy though. Cool band. Yeah, great. I never great. shouted that out. I don't. I don't think we ever mentioned because uh, Goner Records did the retrospect of Angry Angles last year uh, on an LP. Just self-titled. So anyone who's interested in that, if you like Jay Riotard and, and uh, whatever, stuff like that, it's great. More new wavy, I would argue, than, than the other yeah. stuff he did. Um, but yeah. great stuff. Anyway. I think it shows like what a genius kind of songwriter he was, you know, in spite of all the other issues. 
uh, one thing you cannot take away from him is that guy could write a fucking song. And yeah, yeah like totally. chose him in a different kind of like light that he kind of could write in different kind of genres if need be. Yeah, I keep forgetting uh, too because it's a it's a duo. So Alex Brown is also in Roya and Alex and too. Yeah, Gold, Golden Triangle and all that. Um, yeah, great. Anyway, lovers too. Um, and anyway, they also got the How the West Was Won comp, double seven inch comp, lo- another Chicago area compilation. Chris, just saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I bought a bunch of other records in last. I even bought records in Bolivia. Um, oh yeah, you were saying you, we talked about that. I think it was off air, but I don't know if you we we didn't record that. I don't think. No, I don't think we talked about Bolivia. But anyway, I won't get into it too much because uh, it's going to be coming out as a as a thing. But it was incredible. Bolivia is an amazing place. I really cannot say enough about that that country. It was a really fun time. I was sick the entire time. Had to be. Uh, you know, just from the altitude, but in spite of that, I had the best time. It was incredible. Um, no punk though. I could not find any traces of punk culture whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. I remember you, we, we discussed this. I, I'd like to think that it exists somewhere, but yeah, maybe um, not in that, not in La Paz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not where you well, I mean, I you know, it very well may not exist. Who knows there? But I, I have a feeling it's probably oh, there somewhere. It definitely exists. Yeah, like there's. I was looking at uh, YouTube videos of Bolivian punk bands, and you know, looking up names of old Bolivian punk bands, but not in the La Paz region. I couldn't find any. I did see a tag that was literally the word punk, um, <laughs> and I saw a kid in the market with a really sick bootleg autopsy shirt but i don't think it was because it was the band uh and that was that was really the only times i kind of came into alternative culture there or or metal (laughs) rock culture i should say but they have amazing folk music so I, i bought some of those records cool man and just thinking like imagine just tagging the word punk oh yeah like the yeah. the futility of that pursuit is very funny to me. Anyway, <laughs> there's something so isolating about thinking about that. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I wish I could find that kid. That would be a good episode. Um, yeah. Anyway, good luck, kid. If you're out there listening to this podcast, <laughs> yeah. I wish I found you. Uh, uh, Anyway, so um, I guess we should get into the uh, other any any other things I should say before we get into the the show. Um, I think a week because it's I'm so scatterbrained with how we how many weeks are in between when we do these lately. But uh, I went and saw also that uh, band from Paris, Frustration, came to Toronto a couple weeks ago, and they were great. Just wanted to say that for people who are interested in that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, that's. That's about it for my life for now. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have not gotten to see any concerts lately. Yes, you have. You went to one like yesterday. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, apart from that. But I mean, like, you know, any other concerts. That was amazing. Yeah. That was a, yeah but, and then I'm playing, I'm playing one tomorrow. By the time this airs, I will have played a concert. Yeah, because I saw you guys. Where are you playing in the Danforth? Yeah, we're we're opening for Thursday. Nice. Yeah, on that'd a, be uh, cool. 
on a Saturday. Um, yeah, yeah so I'm excited. They're, you know, just, just a homie. So obviously former guests too. Yep. So great episode. To, 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 I've never, you know, that's a neighborhood I grew up in. So I get to play the Danforth Music Hall, which is just like uh, a very kind of surreal experience. I'm going to go to Joe Allen's and get a hamburger afterwards because it's the best hamburger. You you must have played uh, you must have played that venue nope. before, no? Nope, nope. Wow. I, I, I uh, always had me up on stage to they covered Queen of Hearts and got me to sing it with them. Um, but that's the closest I've ever come to um, playing there. I've been on stage there a couple times with friends, but like you know, never to play. No, oh, that's cool then. Yeah. yeah, I saw waves there. Saw the Melvins there. Saw God a, uh, AFI there, but I had to leave before they played. Uh, I seen yeah, I got to see a lot of bands there. <laughs> cool, I like that venue. That'll be good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Are you gonna if you're around, come into town. If I uh, if I'm not uh, old and boring tomorrow, I might uh, bother one of you uh, to come up. But right. I don't know. Totally, totally, Chris is never a bother. Never a bother. And then next week you can, uh, you know, give me uh, some notes, like some harsh criticism. About what? I don't do that. With harsh criticism. I'm just saying that's what you could do next week. <laughs> it, could be, it could be a new segment no. of the show. No, I you, you, performance. No, not at all. I don't. Uh, your band is. I don't. I don't do that with your band. No, well, I understand uh, if you did, but that's fine if you don't. <laughs> uh, let's move on into today's show. Uh, we've got a, a, a fun jam-packed show. We're going to do Dave House. We're going to do uh, – we're going to do uh, – did we do Jake Fogelis last time? We did, yeah. So it's Dave and Spencer. Just Dave and Spencer this time. I thought there was someone Correct. else, but I guess not. We have not. I've been um, a l- little slow in getting these up lately. I'm sorry about that, everyone, but it's been kind of crazy with travel. Um, but yeah, we're gonna be doing uh, we're gonna be doing Dave and Spencer today, and uh, it's gonna be uh, awesome. But before we get into that, let's get into some housekeeping stuff. Uh, you can get in touch with me over at DamienAbraham.com, and there's also past episodes there you can listen to and things like that. You can find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien. You, if you want to support this show, the best way that you can do that is by telling all your friends about it. And, you know, then if you use iTunes, why not subscribe to it? And then if you're doing that, why not write a review for it and rate it? And that would be awesome. And if not, that's fine too. But if you want to help out the show, that's how you could do that. Uh, and you can find us on Facebook. It's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham. Uh, Tristan, thank you for uh, all the work you do on the show, too. And, uh, yeah, and if you don't use Facebook and you still want to see some of the cool stuff that gets sent into the show, you can find us over at turnitapunk.tumblr.com. And also, I guess I got to say this, too, because, uh, well, they don't really – and I think I do sponsor this part of the podcast a little bit, but uh, yeah, Vans. Thank you very much to Vans for uh, for sending me to do that thing in Chicago. And uh, Vans, Chris, you know this means you're going to get paid for this. You know we're gonna, you know this isn't like a waste of time anymore. It's well, now like a, <laughs> it was never you know waste of time. <laughs> but That's no, not what you described I, it I, as I, off air. 
<laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> we know that uh, I've always only been into this for the money, so there we go. Uh, yeah, exactly. But anyway, so thank you very much to Vans for allowing this to now not be a uh, burden, but now to be something that we can uh, take pride in doing and put a little <laughs> effort into and things like that. So. Anyway, so we're we're gonna be making improvements around the show. That's like the goal too. We got we got. I'm gonna be getting, you know, uh, some some uh, you know figuring this stuff out and getting making improvements, making trips, getting other podcasts done. You know, we got some nice. things happening here. Turn it up, punk, so, and and turn it up, cool. punk. Don't you worry. Uh, but Chris, how do they get in touch with us here? Uh, turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And as you'll find out this week, we're starting to get to some messages. So, uh, feel free to contact us. All right. And I think, uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, we should get into the show. Uh, Steve Jones is getting a star on the Hollywood walk of fame. You tell me, Chris. Yeah, I found out, um, it was weird. Fred Armisen, of all people, put this up, and uh, I was kind of blown away. But uh, I did look into it, and uh, it was not a joke. It is very much true that uh, he is getting a star on the Walk of Fame, which is sort of uh, like, like I would think like Hollywood's version of like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or something. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, uh, but it is weird. It's a weird. Um, it's weird to think like of who in music relative to like someone like Steve Jones has one perhaps over him uh, to this point. So it's kind of interesting. I think it's an interesting. It's weird that he's the, probably the first pistol with one too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. They're not giving Sid one anytime, any, anytime soon. And, and, and I don't think John Lydon's got one. No, but it's. I wonder though. Is I believe he lives in Los Angeles. Does he yeah, not? no. That's well. That's one thing I think you know puts him uh, atop a lot of other people. Is he reps hard for that city? He's got a radio yeah. show in that city. He's you know lived there for years and you know really kind of like is a, a fixture in the town. Like you know people people see him around. Yeah, I've never so seen I, him around, or I would force him to do this podcast. <laughs> but I think um, I'm, I'm guessing that that's some of the impetus for why um, he was considered or is getting one. But either way, it's kind of interesting. Um, not that I believe punk really needs valid- validity of the outside world, but it is very, um, I don't know, it's very interesting. When I'm in uh, the area, I'll probably go and try and seek it out or something. It'll be something to do as a tourist. Yeah, like I would definitely, I would like, you know, um, you know, uh, go and see that. Get my photo taken beside it. You know, until they, until they've got the Jerry A one. This is as close as I'm going to get to having a <laughs> bona fide hero. You know, I'm just glad that someone finally appreciates the Lightning Raiders single that he plays on. <laughs> Imagine it was Steve Jones and then brackets underneath Lightning Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also have to put a very uh, sad uh, obituary note that uh, Mr. Pogo passed away, legendary Japanese hardcore re- deathmatch wrestler, um, just passed away recently. And it's just I'm just seeing it now for the first time. Um, but, yeah, an, in- an incredible wrestler who, you know, you may know because of the photos that he took with Anti-Scene. And uh, I believe that's in their record or maybe it's in the book. Um He's famous for his sickle. Um, so yeah, rest in peace. Definitely bled a lot for the uh, for the four corners. That's for sure. 
Well, there you go. Sad news. Sad it seems news. like there's always sad. I think um, I think that's our relatives' ages catching up with us. That, uh, yeah, there's just always something lately. Anyway. Yeah, and also I think we've got like a, you know, a, uh, unfortunately a, a, a diverse enough taste that we're going to wind up hearing about a lot of legends that pass away in these respective little worlds that we love. Um, but yeah, that's a sad one to pass on to. Um, there's also like, you know, I, I feel always so weird when we, we just gloss over all the like real political stuff that's happening. That's very upsetting too, but you know, yeah. know, know that you should be reading the news right now, you know, and supporting <laughs> your newspapers too. buy them. Um, because they need, they need the help. The journalism needs the help because holy fuck, it's crazy when you read that stuff. So this is like, uh, this is like an escape place. Absolutely. Um, we just tell you about wrestlers that pass away and bum you out with that. So, um, but you know, I think that's it. Now we're going to move on to the show, right, Chris? Or do we have, we got an email or anything? We do. We, uh, we do have email. Yes. Um, okay. if you'd like to get we can get to emails real quick. Um, there's only a few. Um, the most recent one you sent my way um, was the uh, – well, anyway, do you want to take it or do you want me to take it or what do you want to do? Uh, let's – let's uh, let me take uh, – I'll take it. Um, wait, ooh, where, oh. where's that one? You scroll uh, down, it's like – you'll see. It's the very, the very last one there. Oh, wow. There's a lot of feedback. Uh, oh, yes. <clears throat> Subject, the voice drugs of youth. And this is from John F. Uh, John uh, says, I play guitar uh, for a lot of the live drugs of youth shows after Garrett left. And, and this, of course, is the band that's brought up by Spencer in the uh, in the Spencer episode this week and that I'm definitely want to check out 100 percent want to check out. Also, just a footnote, I was the guitar and bass player on the Trash Talk demo. I played all those notes on that recording and me and Garrett both played together live for the first few months of the band. I just wanted to tell that as a side. I remember I quit trash talk and joined drugs of youth and Garrett continued to play in trash talk. Pretty funny how that all happened. I haven't seen those dudes in years, but I'm stoked for them and what they're doing and wish them all the best. So well, there you go. I'll pass that along to uh, the, the, the guys in trash talk, but thank you, John, for sending that in. <clears throat> and uh yeah anyway i look forward to reaching out to you too um in regards to uh the demos that you have to send me that you said anyway but i will talk about that later uh chris do you want to have uh, another email that you want all to right write? so uh next message here is from sal uh subject jake fogelness my name is sal i'm avid listener uh just got done listening to the fogelness episode another great Great job, as always. There you go, Dame. Uh, you and Jake, along with the best show, Chris Gethard and Nardwar, are my biggest inspirations. Oh, thank you. Uh, getting involved in comedy and making things with my friends. There you go, Dame. Another big uh, kudos. Uh, I've always been That's super shy and awkward and the type of person. Co- company. <laughs> True. Uh, I've always been super shy and the type of person who sits on the sidelines thinking I can never be the type of person to break out of my shell and do my own thing. But Turn Out Punk has taught me that the whole the punk aesthetic doesn't just apply to dudes in bands but anybody who just wants to make things and create in a place where they can fit in i know it sounds dorky but i just wanted to let you know that uh, that and even share what me and my friends have been working on you might think it's kind of dumb which is fine by me but i just wanted to let you know 
Uh, guys like you, Jake and Tom, what you do is pretty inspirational. When I'm done writing this email, I plan on sending a similar one to Tom Sharpling as well. There you go. Uh, telling him how important the best show is to me. I'm pretty nervous though. Just hoping I don't get an email equivalent to being bad company, quote unquote. Anyways, keep up the good work. Also, if you're ever in uh, Ferndale, Michigan, stop by Found Sound Records. That's where I work. And he has a YouTube link here. Uh, which yeah, I, I think not that's what they're checking out the video. Well, I will watch that as well because that sounds uh, very, very interesting and very worth checking out. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I definitely will. T- I will if I come through Ferndale, a hundred percent. Found Sound is the first stop. I promise. Um, also, they've legalized <laughs> yeah. cannabis in some capacity in Michigan, so maybe a dispensary too would be stopped at as well. But yeah, <laughs> but then definitely Found Sound. Yeah, you can always find me at a record store, uh, for sure. So don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll, next email. Yeah, just scroll down. I figure that we ha- we have another. Or do you have anything to add? Sorry, Chris. I I, I rudely didn't. No, no, you. I'm, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I just mean uh, there's one. There's another email, but it sort of has a little bit of relative uh, sort of David up um, input required. So I figure maybe we'll do that one uh, in another future one. Yeah. But uh, if you want to do the next one uh, from Derek. Uh, from Derek. If you scroll past the one. It's in uh, red. It's in red. Uh, am I not? It's above okay, the it's, one you read. It's above. It's the Joanna Angel episode feedback. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is from Derek. Yo, I just listened to Joanna's episode. So nice to hear her voice. One of my old bands, the Scarlet Letter, pra- uh, practiced in the New Brunswick house. Burning Angel did their first photo shoots in. And I clearly remember politely averting my eyes when walking past the casting couch on the way to the bathroom. I think, I think the couch they're filming on you means, right? <laughs> More than the, I, I would say not, not yeah, the parlance of the industry of, uh, thing. Casting right? is anyway. in quotes. Yeah. Casting is a quote. Okay. Uh, for a while, she tried to do Burning Boy Sight, which led to a dude I knew uh, plopping his dick on my bass drum to be awkwardly documented and me finding out at next practice. Dope. It's kind of like in uh, Step Brothers. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> That's on his drum set. <laughs> uh, Joanna was uh, uh, exactly as she described back then and still is. Very sweet. Um, and demure and unassuming, never judgmental and always, always supportive. The health test story was so awful. I remember it well. 99% of us were proud of Joanna for starting that thing and navigating through the dummies on the early message boards and cruddy fests. Also, it's awesome that you as a Canadian have such an appreciation for nineties and 2000 era in New Brunswick hardcore. I lived there, played in bands, automaton with a great Jay Scheller. Uh, TSL 97A. Whoa, this guy's been a lot of great bands. Uh, Monsters Unknown and later Monster X and others in the 90s when I lived there. Uh, I'm in Citizens Arrest now. Well, holy shit. And even playing, uh, uh, bigger shows. Uh, I miss the intimacy of the New Brunswick basements. I did countless shows in my basement from 1996 to 1998, and it was really a special time. Crazy thing about the world, Inferno, Hellbender, Dillinger Escape Plan, and countless other legendary bands played my disgusting wet basement. Okay, if I don't stop now, uh, I'll be remiss for days. Cheers, DF. Uh, Thank you, Derek, for sending that in. 
Um, and oh, reminisce for days, or not remiss for days, reminisce for days. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Derek, for sending that in. Uh, and uh, yeah, that you know, I, I, she is really. I think that's the one thing that I, I hope came across in that episode is like, what a kind of like cool, supportive, awesome, positive person uh, she is. Because that was like really what I got from the entire experience of talking to her. And just how, how supportive she is of this podcast now and things like that. It's like, God, this, this woman rules. Yeah, it was I wish cool. I could follow her on Instagram because unfortunately <laughs> my kids work my Instagram. It's a little intense at times, but, um, but you know, that's not judgmental at all in what she does at all, what she does, because she is like kicked ass in that industry. And yeah, like I, I fucking love her and think she's amazing. So. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on the show again, Joanna. And thank you for that email, Derek, because, uh, you know, it gives another chance to talk about that. Chris, do you have anything to add? Yeah. Yeah. You were, um, you read, you read something a little off. I'm not trying to chastise you, but it was just a band. Oh, yeah. Because you read, you said Monster Unknown. The band was Those Unknown. Oh, yeah. Those Unknowns and Layer Monster Next. Sorry. Those Unknowns. Sorry. And, uh, and of course, I just want to input that uh, I love Monster X. And uh, so it's sick to get that email, to be honest. Uh, and I think I have the entire Monster X run of, of records to this day. I believe your I have friend, them all. Your friend and my friend, uh, friend of the show, hopefully future guest, Simon Harvey, put out that very first Monster X 7-inch. Yeah, the Discusher one, right? Yep, Discusher. And from 94. Yep. And, uh, of course, the legendary Spaz split. Yeah, I think I have all these. I think I have all of them. I was more of like a, the cat- a Faith fan, but I definitely, 97A, I fucking love. And then Automaton, I love. And, you know, and, and yeah, those are known sick, too, actually. Um, and, and Monster X was, like, never 100% my thing. You know, obviously, no, this I- arrest is incredible, so... Yeah, I, I just mean like, you know, I, I'm with you typically on all those things, and it's more of a – it's a niche taste of mine. You and I have sure, debated but, uh, this a lot. We've actually debated this before, like in the before time, Chris. Uh, before have I mean, we really? Oh, yeah. This has come up before because I was like shocked at how much you like Monster X, and I think it even led to me pulling a copy of the first 7-inch for you to buy somewhere. Yeah. I've made you. You definitely hooked me up with one of these records. Yeah. But um, weirdly enough, how I got into that group is um, there was a. Uh, this would have been in the late later '90s, so it wasn't like I, I first heard of them in probably like '97. I'm gonna say. Yeah. But um, we had a, a, a local food not bombs in my area. Weirdly enough, uh, which I don't believe exists anymore. Wait. Um, you heard Monster X through some food not bombs related connection. There's no way that's believable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's very believable. This is this is the '90s of all '90s. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and I say that with you know I'm not trying to chastise anything about this. It's just a much different time, let's say. Uh, so uh, there was a a dude there who I didn't know who was actually from I believe from Albany, but he was going to school over here, and he had like all this stuff. He's actually the first person I heard that, uh, the abolition, uh, some ideas are poisonous or whatever that that comp from as well too. So it was like full on evolution, uh, vibe. But, uh, yeah, he lent me weirdly enough of all the things he lent me. No, he lent me the attrition record and he lent me uh, the, to the positive youth 
which was perplexing to me at the time because like none of the covers kind of sound like actual things. So, uh, but I kind of loved it because it's so absurd. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was And years I've all those records, and because uh, it's, again, it's a very niche taste. It's uh, they're fairly easy to acquire, so I encourage all of you to do so as well. Yeah, they are kind of easy to get, like still, and like except for the first one, they they don't go for too too much money. Um, no, totally. Know. And Actually, like, who knows? Now. I'm even going to shout out another it. thing here. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Mr. Dave Stevenson, who has still an original monster. Yes. X shirt uh, that, as far as I know, he still has it. He definitely had it up until recent. I don't know if he I've, one of these punk rock garage sale things or whatever. He got rid of it, but he definitely, I'm, I'm pretty sure, still has it. So shout out. So just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't talk long enough. I'll keep talking, but yes, there we go. I'm pretty sure yeah, the capitalist casual. What's up? Sorry. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure the capitalist casualty split with Monster X is not playable. Like I don't think there's a hole in the. I think there. No, really. I don't think there is, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong on this. Someone email <laughs> yeah, because I have that record. I think it's playable. You know, it's we can check not. the resource right now. I know I'm king, but I can't seem to find anything that that says this, but. I'm quite positive, unless I have this freak copy where my center hole is not punched. Yeah, you might have one like that, like which would be like the ultra rare, the rarest version of that record. Yeah, I definitely. Well, I'd have to go An dig it out. Unplayable version. I'm too lazy right now, but uh, I believe mine does not have a spindle hole, which is kind of crazy now that I think about it. Rare, rare. So, KBD. so qual. So quality control at Hater of God Records was uh, was a little low in in two thousand. <laughs> well, there was too busy stuffing the Seven Deadly Sins box sets. <laughs> True. <laughs> anyway, we've gone on uh, nice nice lengthy uh, about Monster X, which I'm you know what's a great about thing about that label? They gave Ruination a concept record. Which Ruination's on Hater of God? Isn't what, uh, Ruination on the Seven Deadly Sins comp? Oh, maybe. Um, I don't remember. Like, I don't have that. Yeah, they are. You're right. That's funny. <coughs> Black Hand, Catharsis, Ruination, Mad, uh, Kill the Man, New Questions, MK Ultra, and Unra. That is, uh, yeah, two thousands to the bone, right there. Yeah. Um, By the Throat, Seven Inches, also on Hater of God from '99, which was the post Monster X band. If anyone cares, that being sick, uh, sick and great cover artwork too. Um, but yeah, there's some good stuff on Hater of God, though. Yeah. Like that oh, yeah, Devoid no, of Faith. Definitely. Devoid of Faith. They did know. the discography. They did, uh, what else here? Anyway, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think we've, uh, this is what Footnotes is all about, folks. Welcome. <laughs> exactly. It's about these kind of diversions before we get to the episode. Um, is that, that, and that's it for Mailbag this week, right? Yeah, we're good for, uh, for all that. All right. So if you want to send a mail, where do they send it again, Chris? Out of punk footnotes at gmail.com. All right. <clears throat> oh no, there's other emails down here. No, those are all. We're gonna we're gonna do a mailbag one with the Daves. Okay, we gotta do the mailbag with the Daves. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, we we got emails. Don't worry. All right. So <laughs> we're always emails, but sorry. Oh. Go on. No, 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 no. So I'm saying, where do you want to jump in? We got we got a lot of stuff to talk to you because I also forgot 
this was the other thing I was thinking about. The live from Kingston Spectacular. Yeah, totally. Which, uh, living through it in person, I, I had a, like, the whole experience was interesting. But I think the recorded conversation came out a lot better than I had even anticipated. Yeah. I think it was really, uh, it was really good. Um, so I guess my, my first comment would be based on what you're saying. Uh, I just want to say that I think that Matt Johnson was very, very astute when he spoke about his show and kind of cultural relative things to what we were talking about. And I don't know, did he tell that story? Because he mentioned a certain very famous promoter in Toronto. Did that get recorded, any of those stories? Or did he tell no. that when someone was asking for the Q&A for the show? That was asked when someone was asking the Q&A. Yeah, it's too bad. He had they had incredible for that. That is sort of connected to what we talk about on the show. But the um, yeah, he had a great anecdote about calling in the the Nirvana the band the show one of the episodes, like the first or second. They call the Rivoli, uh, which of course is a real place, but they call someone else, purporting that it's the Rivoli that, that they're trying to get a gig, and it's a, a sort of famous Toronto promoter. But when he told the story, it was actually a full on crank call. <laughs> that was humored because they did it as if they were in character, like full, full on. Yeah. And apparently there's a, uh, a lengthy, like six, he said like, what was that? Like six or 10 minute <laughs> version of the conversation. No, I think he said it was like 35 minutes or something. It was like really okay, long, but it sounded incredible. And, uh, but I just wanted to, to my recollection, like in person, I just thought recorded. It sounded great after the fact, but even at the time I thought he, he had a lot to say. It was very interesting. And I did not expect so anyway, that's my first thought. Where do it, you want to go with this? No, and also I would follow up with that by just saying, yeah, like the the crux of that story was how awesome this promoter was. To, yes, absolutely. To, to like kind of give him all this advice and then how they had to call him back and be like, yeah, we were doing that in character for this thing we're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it, yeah, like he he was definitely the surprise for me. I didn't know him. Obviously, everyone else is – some of my best friends in the world and stuff. So it was like, it was like a weird wild card to kind of throw in there. And I thought he, he, he represented really well. He did. You, you, one thing I learned, I learned that night, like I wasn't aware that they did that as a web show. And I wasn't aware that like he mentioned something about only having it for rent at like the indie joints in Toronto. Like your, yeah. you knew them via that job. Did you not? Yeah. Yeah. I knew them when the video store I worked at. Um, yeah. from coming in there, Chris, Chris knew him better than I did though. Uh, cause Chris, yeah. I think worked with them a little bit more. I knew them when they were kind of coming in renting, um, more than when they were actually like, you know, hawking their wares. Yeah. Um, but you know, like Chris, you know, like that's the thing is like, there were some, it was a, a good mix of people. I would like, uh, you know, there were other people that I would have loved to have had there too, but you know, I, I can't think of uh, a, a group of friends that I would be more kind of like stoked to have on a road trip with me than you guys. What a fun weekend that was. It was fun. It was one of the coldest days in the history of the world, but it was very fun. It was right. so fucking cold. And it was also <laughs> so crazy because we had to go to Kingston. I had to come back because I was flying uh, immediately to go somewhere for the for the wrestling show. So. Yeah, it was a it was a a pretty hectic time. Yeah, it was fun though. We we did some record uh shopping too, which uh didn't yield many results, but actually I have a 
So you remember in previous, this is another sidetrack, but it'll fit the show perfectly. Uh, someone, uh, I follow various record stores and, and people or whatever uh, via social media. Someone pulled out a Montreco um, Vile Tones from one of the stores that we hit up that we were just too lazy or it was buried somewhere where we didn't find that. And I was so bummed because like, that would have been a record I would have loved to stumble across because I don't have that version of it. And uh, yeah, so that was one of our uh, pursuits that didn't yield much. But Chris got something. I'm trying to remember what he got. Yeah, I remember what he bought too. He bought some records. We spent, yeah, he, he and I were looking for a, a weed bar. <laughs> you were. <laughs> we, but yeah, we had other other missions. Sorry to cut you off, dude. No, I was just gonna say we had other missions. Yeah, well, you know, to each their own. <laughs> you can't can't go record shopping every day, Dan. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Um, and uh, but I guess uh, yeah, it was a fun fun time. Glad we did it. Uh, I don't know if you want to. I don't know if there's much to get into from that. No, I, I just think like you mentioned it, so I just went off right with that because I. Perfect. Just re re listening to it. I just I don't know. I you know I don't often think I will get anything that I didn't get out in person, but I'm often surprised, and this was one of those ones where that conversation I think really held up. So it was cool. Awesome. Yeah. No, I th- I thought it was uh, a good listen back too. Um, so let's get into uh, some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about this week, uh, namely uh, Dave and Spencer. Um, I guess, like, uh, should we go, who do you want to do first? Well, the point-by-point point for the Dave episode is not really, you, you didn't really put up a great point-by-point point on the site, so my recollection is a little hazy. If you can remember more about that, if you want to jump into one of his points, we can do that. Yeah, there was a, I thought it was like a really fun conversation, and and I think by the end of it, we started getting into some interesting stuff that I think is definitely footnotes worthy, especially the stuff about why Madball was never huge. You oh know, yeah, and this, yes, yes, and actually, sort of, it's kind of like Madball and sick of it all, you know, that world, if you will, of those groups. Um, mm-hmm. so I have a theory on why that is. Um, which is a very cynical theory, which is that by and large, in aggressive music, um, not the greatest stuff gets popular. And so therefore, you know, those groups were always, and I think Madball especially, and actually, no, this, this applies for Sigaball as well. I think that they're, you know, as much as they've become popular groups, like in the world of hardcore or what have you, um, they're like true to the, you know, to the, the hardcore punk thing really ultimately, regardless of sonically where they're at. So I think that they've never, I don't know, been anointed in that sort of commercial world because they've always been like, you know, like too real for, for all that other nonsense. And I think other groups have failed in the same capacity that aren't necessarily cut from the same cloth. Like I think of like Earth Crisis or, um, trying to think of other groups of that sort but you know what i mean like do you, do you get what i mean like are you with me at all on that or do you do you disagree yeah no i i kind of agree like i think there's never been like what's the biggest one of all time like who is it hatebreed still like that's like well hatebreed yeah like hatebreed probably are i'm trying to think of anyone else that would be bigger but yeah like they're definitely the one that navigated that world seemingly perfectly and i don't know the reason for i mean because 
if anything, that actually shoots down my theory because those dudes are very down as well. But um, and that first, but they whatever, never, that like, first they LP. crossed over, right? They got big, but like, like you know, they were never Metallica or you know, no, uh, true, Pantera yep. even. I think what it is is you, and you're kind of seeing it now. Now with, uh, I believe your friends in Power Trip, where every now and again you get one of these that that come from you know quote unquote our world, that do get, you know, do kind of get it a little bit, but it always seems to be that there's there's a ceiling that doesn't you know doesn't get broken through, and I don't know if if Hatebreed, I don't know for me Hatebreed got huge, but I don't I don't know I I don't know quite how big, but um, I just feel like if you're if you're a band from this world. You know, sort of part of the the unfortunate, you know, part on a commercial, whatever perspective is that you're kind of uh, resigned to realizing that you know you're you're only going to um, whatever you're only going to affect so much, if you will. And commercially, you're not necessarily going to reap the benefits of um, people who are just trying to play the game that have no integrity, let's say. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe that's my naive take on. I don't know. No, I think I think you're right. Like, but it's it's funny because like these bands tried a little bit to play the game, right? Like they obviously wanted to get popular, you know, and like they yeah, get true. popular. Like it's not, not like to undercut their successes, but you know, like he, it, Dave raised a good point. Like they never broke out, broke out. Yeah, and it, it, part of it is perplexing in the sense where you know the formula being, you know, a lot of people like aggressive music. Music. A lot of that popular aggressive music is garbage. Why don't they like the good aggressive music that yeah. is also at least adjacently connected in a lot of you know years or eras or whatever? Um, especially like because Madball was on um, what were they on? They were on uh, oh what's that label? I should look it up. When they were on the bigger label, but before Epitaph, who were they on? They were on uh, Century Media. Were they on Century Media? Century no, Media. On, there we go. Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Roadrunner, yeah, all that. Like, so that world, you know, obviously produced, like, you know, those kind of bands. Like, I don't know how many huge bands Roadrunner's done. I guess there's probably a bunch, but, um, yeah, I don't, I, I just think it's, it's a weird anomaly that I've never understood. And my, you know, it's sort of the, my, like, chip on the shoulder view is just that, well, you know, people don't like sick stuff, so therefore it won't get big. You know, that's just the world. Yeah. But, um, My other, my other take on it, though, is I think if you look at where those bands are from where they started, it's pretty, um, actually pretty impressive in the sense of like that they were able to navigate as far as they did. When you consider that most you know, bands or crossover bands don't really, well, one last that long, and then two don't really. Like think of Madball, <laughs> you know, Madball existing to this day is kind of amazing. Still, when you think of like, because when I think of Madball. I think a ball of destruction. Yeah. Like the formula for that group does not seem like a band that should have existed for 20 years. No, yet, that's, that's the thing that's is like they, they probably survived because of their music. You know, those guys, yes. they were, they're like, they were living pretty extreme lifestyles. And I imagine going on tour and kind of like getting out of that situation was like, you know, save them. Like, you know, when they talk about that sort of shit, like music saving them, they're not just like being, yeah. you know, silly. They're being very serious. Yeah, exactly. 
But I, I just think, like, you know, so in, in one way of looking at it, I think that they have, they have re- reached maybe, you know, quote-unquote commercial heights that I'm surprised a group like them could reach. I think Madball presently, though, or like Madball the last decade, um, yeah, perhaps they would be going, oh, why didn't we, you know, break it all or something. But if I look at it from, like, ball destruction to now, I'm like, wow. You know, like, think of... Like Madball are a pretty ubiquitous group in aggressive music these days, it seems. Like maybe not commercially, but a lot of people know about Madball. Oh yeah, and they're 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 having like you know their shows are are packed and sold out these days. Like they're not, yeah, they're riding like definitely like a popularity. I don't know. Like I'm not on the inside of their camp, so I haven't looked at their books or anything. But I would say like right now they're definitely like at a higher point in recent popularity. I would say. Yeah, so it's just I don't uh, I don't know, but it, it is very strange that it, what it is is it people often when they think of this argument or whatever or this these examples they think of like the awful groups that have like ruined the world, <laughs> you know, even sonically like uh, and like it's too bad that there wasn't like the good ones in there that were existing in the same periods. But I, I don't remember know. when I worked at Much Music, I was like, "Yo, I'm going to get the Chromags on in like prime time TV." <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be yeah. like it's going to be like a, a wake up call and people aren't going to want to listen to any other crap anymore you know <laughs> and then I, I did it and nothing changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but the chrome eggs also experienced a little bit like i saw those videos or whatever we got to know i definitely saw like it, it like maybe not the exact year it came out but i remember in the you know in the early 90s like like maybe late 80s whatever like power 30 power hour that whole thing like i definitely saw that through that kind of stuff so it was in like you know it was on mtv a little bit it was on that stuff and it never you know even that group never really quite broke i mean there's a lot of other perhaps reasons why that is but um yeah it's it's a weird i i don't know i've never understood i just you know being being sort of uh elitist about liking punk and hardcore my just my thought is just people don't like great music (laughs) on mass so that's why it's our special thing that only is going to go so far and that's the tragedy of it but um you know no nothing against any of these groups i think the you know the vast majority of music they produced is excellent um so yeah but it is a weird world it's funny that he he had uh you know being whatever traveling with them and like experiencing that though firsthand yeah that's a very interesting world to immerse yourself in like say like whatever a decade ago or 15 years ago yeah absolutely like it was just like uh you know like what a what an what an ex like uh you know to take your music and take it all over the world that's the dream right and so these bands no matter what have accomplished that and especially like you know coming from the situations they've come from which are very well documented in like john's book for the chromags or or harley's book for the chromags even now um it's it, you know or or look at like you know freddie's stuff and what freddie came came out of in hoya and stuff so you know the fact that they've been able to do this with their music is like you know a, a huge accomplishment but i've like you know i think it, like that's the thing as a hardcore punk music fan you're always questioning why why not this band why that band yeah i i think you know it's just the way sadly i think it's the way it go the way it goes really don't know uh i don't have a, a concrete answer for 
for that. No, I don't no, know if anyone does. No, exactly. It's just the way it goes, unfortunately. Unfucking fortunately. Um, <laughs> and I also think we like, you know, and we've touched on this before, but like Philadelphia, is there like, you know, a more divided scene? Well, we kind of, when we were there, I believe this got Back talked in the about. Day. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, because he talks about one thing I love when any of this Philly stuff comes up, because it's a group I've always loved, like love, is that the Dead Milkman always gets a shout out, which is great. Um, and I still think they're highly underrated, despite being kind of like, like, you know, everyone probably knows Punk Rock Girl, but like that group I just love. So um, hearing people talk about it historically and, and shouting it out is always makes me very happy. But, um, but yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think, like, when you're speaking of that division, what year are you talking about? Like, you're talking about, like, you know, like, contemporary or whatever, like, the last 15 years, no, 20 no, years? Now it's very like... united. I would say it's much more united now than it's ever been. I would say that in the 90s, though, it was, like, very different worlds, it sounds, from the sounds of it. Well, what I'm trying to remember the, the things he's highlighting. So you're talking about, like, what... Philly's what, like, well, he was just talking about, yeah, how his band never fit in, like with the oh, youth yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. or with the tougher stuff. or Well, and it's just because what Philly is, Philly had what, Ink and Dagger, did they not? Yeah. Yeah, Philadelphia Heart, that's right, on the one. So that one, I'm trying to think of bands of that era. Ray on the Parade, was they, were they from Philly? Yep. yep. So As those are, two, are that's kind of a different members. world there. Uh, yep. Very I'm trying to worlds. think of the other groups of the era. Have like, then you also have like Bad Luck going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you have um, Kill the Man of Questions going. Um, and you've got, you know, and there, I'm sure there are some interloping in these scenes, but it just seems like, wow, those are very different scenes. So I, I also wonder how much you were mentioning the idea of like Philly perhaps being like a, a particularly um conflicted region in that era but i'm wondering if it's more indicative of the era at large and that other american cities had that same situation and it's just of the era rather than the city itself yeah like i guess i guess you're right i don't know i think philly just seems more like there were more factions in philly philadelphia like from an outside it could be yeah like philly for me is is sort of a dark spot in terms of like knowledge of of what was going on regionally in that area like i know a few of those bands but i don't know how those people operated or any of that name like so i I don't know for sure i'm just speculating i think judging from our brief kind of like insider look at like various personalities interacting backstage at our philadelphia live turn into punk (laughs) it was fairly easy to determine that it was not necessarily like everyone knew each other on a super like you know, friend, friend basis. Like they were friendly, you know, it wasn't like awkward, yeah. but it wasn't like they were like, you know, it wasn't the same way. Like when we were in DC. True. But I think that city is, a, has a particular, I mean, again, I'm speaking, you know, not as a, you know, a, re, a resident of these, <laughs> Sorry. but as an observer, I would say that that city has a pretty unique situation by and large. So, um, but yeah, I, I will. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying now. I never thought about it in that context of the live, even backstage. I think though, what I would say is, do you think Toronto would be any different? Yeah, Toronto, I think was way too small. 
you know. Yeah, but I mean, okay, let's say you put, you know, you could put different people from different eras of Toronto and they would be just as polite or whatever, but I don't know if it would be any less awkward, you know what I mean? Like I, I think, think we all know each depends other better on this. in this city. Like, you know, like not know each other, but just like it would be awkward but because of like recent tensions more than past tensions like at the time, you know. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they were definitely like I, people I didn't do. like each other, but it, like it never felt until later on. Maybe, maybe then it got. I think really nowadays nice. I'm just nowadays I do find, especially just taking Toronto as like the nearest hub that I'm aware of. Of course, you're that you're from there. I've never lived there, but I you know know it or whatever. But uh, you were in a Toronto hardcore band, Chris. You can you can claim that. No, no, I I just mean like, yeah, I know I know a lot of people in the city going there for a while. I know the city, you know, it's basically like, you know, more or less my second home in a sense. But yeah, um, but I don't want to, you know, make it seem like like you know I'm that guy or whatever. But um, I would say though, yeah, you, I think you're right in the sense of like contemporary Toronto is is a lot more, or a lot less dog eat dog, let's say, <laughs> than it was back twenty then. years ago. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> even twenty years ago. Like, okay, let's, there, there's like one group of people that made it difficult for everyone. Um, <laughs> you know, for no warning kids, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but like apart from that, and that was only like a brief period where like they kind of like had their ascent and everyone was cool. And then they had their periods where they kind of ran the scene and it was difficult for a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, and then we, then, 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 but then they like became like a rock band. And started hanging out with like Greg Norrie and 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 some forty one, and so with the exception of those like, you know, periods like with the exception of that one period, I should say, like they wasn't really like Toronto. Apart from that, always felt like too small for everyone to start really hating each other. I I cannot uh, I, I agree with your observation. I I just I you know I I would say that I think there are some people you could pull in a room. And it would be very unfamiliar, but maybe it's because I'm not, you know, not there or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I always wonder with this idea of, of cities that have had, you know, like legitimate actual conflicts as opposed to it just being of the era. I guess that's all I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, rain on your parade, pun intended. But uh, uh, don't, don't worry, you're not raining on my parade. <laughs> but I know every time I talk to you, Chris, it might be a 10-yard fight. <laughs> Well done. There you go. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was well done on my part, but I appreciate you humoring me with that. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess like, should we, is there any more to talk about? There's tons more to talk about with Dave, obviously. Like I can't wait to have him on as a part two, because, you know, like in addition to playing in all these bands, you know, now he's like, you know, a, a legit accomplished songwriter, you know, but yeah, I Oh, no, go on. The uh, his interview is just a little foggier because of the when it out, so I haven't listened. I didn't refresh listen to it, but I remember the, the one thing I really liked that he sort of hit on, and I sort of related to, was the idea of um, how he kind of came into things from metal, which has been discussed on this show before. Um, but the idea of it not being like he sort of, from what I remember, he sort of expressed this idea of like you know getting into punk not being. Uh, not entirely like being like a fully realized idea of like, Oh, I'm a punk or this is punk. Just more or less like this is something that is like, uh, unpopular in the same way. Say the, the metal things I like are, 
and is is aggressive and whatever defiant. So therefore, I, I gravitate to this. So that you know, that's the kind of thing I relate to based on at least the era of like the ages of you and I. I'm not so sure it's the same thing now, but um, whenever you have a guest on that sort of has that trajectory, I always seem to relate with it. So I kind of like that. Even though he, you know, he's played in a lot of bands that I'm not particularly like aware of all that well. Um, the things he was saying, like all the hallmarks, a lot of them, I was like completely hip with, mm-hmm. and I find that that's sort of a generational thing of people of our age, is what I'm, I guess, trying to say. Yeah, no, definitely, it's it's one of those things where I find everyone that's around our age, you know, there's certain signposts, which kind of brings me up one thing I want to talk about, which was like he kept bringing up uh, Kid Dynamite. And how Kid Dynamite united Philadelphia in, in a yep. way it wasn't united before. And this is after Joanna had also brought up Kid Dynamite as being like the most important band. And she, and she says she's pretty sure she saw every single East Coast show they ever played. Um, and so I don't know, like Kid Dynamite is one of those bands that, you know, not isn't forgotten, but like I think Lifetime is the band that definitely people at this point canonize, or maybe that's just me. And Kid Dynamite is is not forgotten by any stretch of the imagination, but like the impact that band had is is not talked about as much these days. And I wonder if it's because you know J Tree kind of you know didn't you know reissue the catalog, or, or maybe or something else, or I don't know, I don't know why. But I'm I'm interested to talk to you about Kid Dynamite, Chris. Well, I think I do agree with you. First of all. I think that observation is – I share that observation. Uh, again, just disclaiming, I'm, I've never been like a, a gigantic like you know, fan of both those bands. But um, I would say well, that if like – you know, No, we discussed this. Like they're fine. I just have never been like the Lifetime guy, however that said. You know, it's like they're fine. I, I acknowledge What are your emo just, bands? What are your like – how emo do you go? Do you like Promise Ring? No. Uh, I saw them too, and they were they were not very good. But uh, what the great show or the uh, um, what's it called show? The uh, I think great play. I both saw them shows. at a, a club sh- Shanghai a showcase in Toronto. The club Shanghai. Uh, no, no, it was with. Um, if I'm not mistaken, again, if my memory serves, they opened or not opened, whatever they. It was one of those like Canadian Music Week, I want to say, or something like okay. that, and they played with weirdly enough the Constantines. And like, I believe it was even like maybe Dillinger Escape Plan or something. It's a weird lineup because they were kind of the odd. They were kind of the oddball out. I will agree. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's, again, it's not. It's just stylistically, it's not as much my thing. I do like some of those bands though. Um, I'm trying to think of like uh, bands. Cause I, that's, that's why I was like Lifetime because I I'm not that into that style. So that to me, is no, Lifetime no, was like a punk band more than that type of band. Yeah. I, I agree. I would definitely be more interested in Lifetime than Promise Ring, for sure, or yeah. something like that. Uh, I mean, for me, like our you know beloved favorites on the show, like I love Late DBS, which is definitely in that ballpark, um, yeah. and definitely apes some of that stuff. But I believe does it better, personally speaking. Um, Eyes for Insignificant uh, is on Spotify. Oh wow. Is yeah. that, I wonder if that has to because that one came out on uh, Joey Shithead's label. I wonder yeah, if that's, that's the why only one. Whole, like, sudden, what is it? Sudden, what was his label called? Sudden impact or is? Oh no, uh, sudden death. Sudden death. There we go. So I guess their whole catalog might be up there. I suppose. No, no, because uh, D- uh, you can get their whole catalog. We should also plug this. I think minus that record, or maybe that record included on Bandcamp. And it's by donation because Jesse just wants you know if people want to hear the music it to be 
to be out there. But um, I guess nice. because this one was put out by another label, it's also on Spotify. Huh, crazy. Which was great Either for me way. when I was in Bolivia because uh, I could listen to Homophobia is a Crime and You're a Criminal. <laughs> nice. It's a great record. Great record. Uh, I think that again we we've we've floated this idea too, and we digressed on DBS a lot. I didn't mean to take us down this path again, but it's criminal that most of that, at least the LPs, are not uh, on vinyl at all. And in an era of reissuing, I plead for people to do it. But uh, well, that's a whole actually, other topic. speaking of which, now that we're already off topic, and uh, in, in <laughs> Numera Group has been cool in the past and sent us stuff. So I, I, you know, you know, they support this show, so I want to definitely support them. They have done some unbelievable reissues as of late. And, like, do you know they did an unwound box set, a fucking noise addict box set, and a crimp shrine box set, Chris? I knew about the unwound one. I wasn't uh, wasn't, uh, aware of the other ones. Yeah, they did a noise addict one, too, which I got to get. And crimp shrine. Yeah, I mean, that's wild. Like, I had... It's this is this is the era for that. That's why I'm hoping, and I think this speaks to another commonality that we talk about on the show, which is Canadian, uh, you know, bands or of yesteryear not getting their due. Yeah. Uh, but I think DBS is is victims of that in certain ways. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is, we spiraled way off on this. <laughs> yeah, we definitely went way off. Fuck, I gotta get this. There's only two thousand on on vinyl, but I want to get this so fucking bad. Were you a noise addict fan? I again like aware of these bands very very little, but no, I've I've never been a like a I've heard some things in passing, but no, never uh nothing that's ever like I can't consider myself a fan. I guess what I'm saying if I'm not huge on groups, and I'm not trying to say I dislike them. I just no. Short answer, no. I understand. <laughs> I understand. You should check them out though, Chris. They're, they're, yeah. they're worth the rediscovery. They well, also like, did a white zombie box out of the early white zombie stuff, which is sick. Yeah, I agree. I like Unwound a lot, and Crimshine's great. So all that stuff is is very cool in this thing. Yeah, that's funny. That White Zombie. Wow. In 2017, that is an interesting choice to, yeah. to do. No, but they, that's like that early White Zombie stuff is really good. Oh like, no, it is. I rock. still, I still think though, like that's something you would have figured would have come out, you know, even like 10, 15 years ago, as opposed to now. I think I think a lot of that stuff was tied up. St- that would be interesting, like to talk to. Like, obviously, someone in this label is a, is a total hardcore kid, punk kid, or whatever, because of some of the stuff they're putting out. So it'd be interesting to have them on the show at one point, hopefully, and, and talk to them about yeah, for sure why why it's now all happening. But I think it's also like people realize, like, what's the point of sitting on this stuff anymore? I think the other thing might be that you know the, the industry being what it is now, which is perhaps not nearly obviously as, as financially viable. Um, maybe it's made it more uh, easy for licensing and things like different fees have like say come down or whatever. That that's maybe why some of this is coming to light as well. Yeah. Oh fuck! They have a store in Chicago, and I was just there. I could have gone and bought all this stuff. <laughs> oh well, Chris. Uh, we got way digressed. We got way digressed off Lifetime yeah. and Kid Dynamite. But I want to get back to the Kid Dynamite thing. I remember, yep. like, the search for the lead singer. And I honestly remember thinking, like, oh, I should try out. And uh, the rumor was, I think, I don't know, Ewan, because Ewan was friends or is friends with Dan Yim and Ewan Exhall, who comes up on the show quite a bit. Um, and Dan was, like, looking for the new lead singer for this band, Kid Dynamite. And I was a kid, and I'm like, oh, I should go try out. 
And I remember uh, the guy from uh, what band was it? Someone else, kind of like famous band, tried out for it too. Like obviously, I'm not saying I was in a famous band or anything, <laughs> but someone uh, else tried out for it. I remember hearing uh, later on, and maybe in the Kid Dynamite documentary. But then that that demo came out. Um, nine songs with Jason or something. I have it somewhere, but I can't, I'm looking for it on the wall, but I can't seem to find it right now. But anyway, that demo came out and it just kind of like blew up. Like I'd be, I, I got asked Dan one day, how many copies of that demo they sold. So they must have sold I wasn't time. aware of this. Yeah. I wasn't aware of this at the time. So you're saying, did they lose a singer or this was just for the beginning of kid dynamite? Was this was the beginning of kid dynamite. Like it was after lifetime. It kind oh, of okay. broken up. Lifetime would like, one of those things which happens in punk and hardcore where a band breaks up just as people kind of catch on. Yeah. You know, like yeah, things I, that happen. I don't – so you're saying you, you attempted – did you actually try to demo no, anything God, or whatever no, to send no. to them? <laughs> no, I don't, have, I don't have the wherewithal to actually attempt to do that, Chris. But I was thinking about it. Rest assured. I just think it would be incredible if there was a loft Damien <laughs> Abraham tryout for Dynamite tape like that's like twenty some odd years old that resurfaced all of a sudden. I think it'd be incredible. Uh I'm not a I don't think I've ever done any tryouts for any bands, but I definitely have threatened to several times and uh yeah, never followed through. <laughs> well, that's the, one uh, that I would love to hear in twenty seventeen. And we talked about it before, but then there was that point where I might have a saying with uh, Turbo uh, Negro for a second, but did not happen. And they made the best decision because now they're kicking butt. <laughs> well, e- either way, it's... Uh, well, could you imagine it, me up there, Chris? Yeah, why not? Well, because I'd have to do it. Like, I'd be wearing, like, a hoodie. And, like, you know, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, do a Hank impression or anything. And I can't, like. So you're saying, I see, I see. You're saying the, the, you would not be following along with, like, the overall aesthetic. Therefore, it would not be as good or something. But. Yeah. I disagree. I think, I think you would fit in. I think your, your punk nature is, uh, is well in keeping with what would make that group thrive. Well, I, I appreciate the, uh, vote of confidence, but I think they, you know, ultimately the better decision was made. And, uh. Yeah, that's but but yeah, like I I've never tried out for any other bands. Have you have you ever tried out for a band and not made it in? Uh, no. That is funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, no, I've been asked weirdly, um, and I just refused. Not because I had anything against the band. I just didn't. I don't know. I find that strange. Um, but like, I mean, for you because you are more known as like a vocalist or whatever now, you know, professionally in some contexts, let's say, um. I I'm not in that world, right? So like, if someone were to request that, I just think it was weird, and that's basically what I felt like. <laughs> so, yeah. well, but no, that this wasn't recently at all. So, uh, no, I've never tried out. I've never tried out for a band. That, that's an interesting thought. And like, uh, did you ever play in Alexa on Fire for any shows? Uh, not technically. I, I've done weird things on the road whenever they something would happen uh but no not not like for real for real no not like not like fucked up because you didn't fucked up no exactly that was more legit like i did uh i fronted alexis like kind of jokingly on one really really early tour this was like in the in the states when they george had to leave for some reason i can't recall but uh 
he had to he had something that happened and he had to leave tour. So there was a, at least one show, maybe a couple, where they played without him, kind of thing. But they were sort of just like letting fans come up, kind of thing. But they also we had uh, whatever they had me do one song. I don't I don't I think I only did that once. But it was like a non. It basically doesn't exist apart from me saying it now. But yeah, technically, um, but ultimately no. Well, <clears throat> you're always a member of Fucked Up. <laughs> yeah, I'm still in. You guys always have like 18 band members, so I think that's fair, yeah. Well, no, we only have, we, we've never lost anyone. <laughs> it's always been the same band, except we gained one extra member at a certain point. And I know, I know. It's more played, of a joke. We played, there's been Fucked Up shows, though, without every single person there. What do you mean by that? Times. Like individually? Yeah, like, yeah. Individually. individually and stuff. I thought you meant yeah, you were well, doing like a man or astroman thing where you guys have done like the doppelganger. No, we talked about it. We were definitely <laughs> talking about that for a while. <laughs> you guys happened. have like you license uh, your group to like different regions for the those bands to cover it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can have fucked up. You, you're fucked up Europe. You're fucked up Asia. You're fucked up Africa. You're <laughs> fucked up. You know, continental. You have like everyone's got continental kind of things. F- fucked up South America. Fucked up Australia. Yeah, you guys like franchise it out. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I do. Fu- I'd be like, in ch- I would be uh, fucked up west coast of uh, Canada and the United States. <laughs> That'd be my reason. Yeah, you forfeit Toronto. You're just doing that. <laughs> totally. It can. It can. It can be someone else here. You know. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I don't, who so who? I know obviously you, I've seen your replacement. If you had more than one replacement, I know Beef before, but was there anybody no, it was just else? Beef. Well, Josh obviously I replaced Josh originally. Yeah, but so each, so each you've done it. Okay, because we're gonna say like, so who's done it for drum wise? Uh, John Drew and Ben Cook. Why? Why? Why wasn't Jonah there? Uh, Jonah had to go to like. Something kind of like embarrassing, like a piano recital or something early on, and that's oh, when Ben okay. filled in on drums. Oh, and Ivan filled in on drums another time when Jonah was on a canoe trip when we opened for wow. Bane and come back. Infamous canoe, canoe trip comes up again. Um, the infamous canoe trip. I've never. I was not aware of that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, then, I learned something new about your group today. And then John Drew when we opened for the Stooges. Yes, because Jonah was at the wedding I was at, I believe. Jonah was that in England. Night. Oh, he was? Because I, I know Steve so. got married that night. I think Jonah and Mike were both in England. Okay, that might have been. But I know got married too, but I couldn't. Yeah, Jonah, I guess, could have done both regardless. Okay. But yeah. Um, wow, crazy. Anyway. But, but, yeah, back to the kid time. I'm like, yes, we digress again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's just amazing, like, how much of an impact that band had at that time for kind of like, I don't know. Oh. Well, hearing like, it from the guests uh, more, Chris, I, I gotta have I to don't... stop, unfortunately, because Camden is awake. Well, Chris, we are back, separated by time and space from when we last spoke. <laughs> yep, totally. Technology failed us in Canada, so I had to move to 
what is considered the epicenter of a lot of technology in Tokyo in order for us to be able to make this episode happen. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And you've committed to the cause. I've committed to the cause. There. I'm now in Japan. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's an, I guess we should catch up a little bit before we get in this episode because it, it has been ooh, a little over uh, close to two weeks since we recorded the first part of this episode. Right, more. <laughs> more, actually. I yeah. think long. I think it's almost been a month. So, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to finish up on uh, the episodes that we didn't get to, and we're, there's going to be other episodes that we're not going to get to this week, but that is unfortunately the nature of footnotes right now, is that footnotes come to you when they come to you, and they come to you in digest form, and uh, that's just the way it has to be, right, bud? Yep. So, uh, how have you been? Sorry, I'm just finishing off my uh, samosa there. Pardon me. No, no, you finish. You, you got to eat. You got to eat. This is like, you know, right now <laughs> it's Chris's dinner time. And for me, it's uh, it's breakfast time. That's how we're. It's not really dinner time for me. I'm just having a late snack, I guess. But yeah. Well, if I eat breakfast right now, it'd be a late breakfast. So right now you're having yeah. a snack and I'm having uh, some tea. So we're both nice. we're both still in our own uh, separate time zone world, but yet still in sync. Yes, so. totally. I'll tell you one thing. I've drank it. So how? Uh, oh, go on. I was gonna. I was just gonna say. So how has Japan been treating you? Dude, this place will suck every cent of money out of your pocket. (laughs) It is the best place I've ever been in my life, and that's with no weed. There is no weed. I have not had any cannabis. This is going to be probably the first time in a long time that we've recorded a footnotes where I've I've not been able to uh, imbibe. So uh, it's... uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, but it's been it's been incredible. Like I've gotten to see gauze, which is truly a bucket list item for me. You know, like I'd wanted to see them for for God twenty years, and got to finally see them. I've seen some amazing wrestling. Uh, a very much established that the punk wrestling connection is real in Daisuke Sasaki, uh, a wrestler in DDT <laughs> who reps Burning Spirits Hardcore. And reps killer Japanese hardcore. Um, I've got to buy some records. I got to go to a disc union sale where I got up at six o'clock in the morning to line up for four hours to buy records for the privilege to buy records. <laughs> is what it was. It wasn't like it was. This shit wasn't on sale um, by anyone's definition of what a sale is. But it was cheaper than I would be able to find them if I were back home. And so thus I had to line up super early. And managed to scratch off uh, some ridiculously sought-after wants on my want list. And and uh, had a good time <laughs> hanging out. Like, I got to tell you, lining up for that record store, I got some friends. Shout out to the people from the records in Brazil. And uh, shout out to my, the, my friends in Malaysia that I met. Uh, I got to hang out with kids in line and just chat records and talk music. And it really, it was like the most fun I've ever had, I think, lining up for for something. Well, that's I I see how that could be. Yeah, mm-hmm. did, did they? It just ended up being a random encounter, or were they aware of you as you, the punk rock person that is of certain profile? 
Well, I met I met like uh, Marcos and the guys from the records in Brazil when we had gone down there and played, and then uh, okay. they just like come wandering up to this record store as I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Yo, what is up?" Actually, remember when I was I was talking to you on the phone from that line, and I said, "Chris, I got to let you go." Someone just walked up, and those were those guys, these friends of mine from Brazil that I had hung out with once, God, four years ago. And then they were like, yeah. yeah, we came over to buy records for the store and to go to the Gosh concert. Wow. Because that's, I think, one of the big myths about Japan is, yeah, records aren't cheap here, but they're definitely way cheaper than they are anywhere else I've been for, for pretty much most of the stuff. Unless you get, like, a score or a find somewhere. But, like, for the most part, everywhere you go now is priced by Discogs. Like, every store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas, I, I well, I mean, I I would imagine for the most part, from what I've experienced, yeah, yeah, like it's 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 you know like well, then, you know, in in Toronto and in other places I've been, Discogs. And I'm not blaming anyone for this. Like this is kind of smart. Has become like the price guide for records. Um, in Japan, every single record is about half the price of what you'd see it on Discogs. Hmm. It's not bad then. Yeah, like it's or maybe a little less than half sometimes. Like, but still, considerably cheaper. Then you'd pay for it um, on Discogs or, or kind of at the established going rate for these records. So people come from all over the world to buy records now in Japan to bring back and be able to sell and still be able to sell cheaper than they would if they had acquired them back home. So it's amazing. These, yeah. kids, these kids I met from Malaysia were over here buying records for their, their new record store that had just opened up. And uh, these kids from Brazil were over here buying records for their store. Kids from Mexico were over here buying records for their store. You know, like, it's just, you could do that here. There's a, you know, a lot of American record stores are coming over here and buying records and bringing them back home. And uh, it's, yeah, it's like, it's pretty amazing um, what can be kind of found here and for the price that it can be found. I'm wondering what, like, but you're in Tokyo, so uh, mm-hmm. do you think that's just a Tokyo-centric thing? This is such a big, I would know, like, tourist hub? Yeah, but I would imagine it would work, would work the opposite, right? Like, you think about, you know, closer to, to you and I, like, Clifton Hills, because it's a tourist area, you go to that Burger King there, you're paying, like, double the price for a combo, you know? And weird analogy yeah, for me I to guess. make. I, I definitely admit that. <laughs> No, I think yeah, like but even even if you took New York, I find New York a little more expensive yeah. for records tend to be too than yeah. I get what you mean. And rent rent yeah, it is just really seems, high. Seems, yeah, it seems like a strange um phenomenon. It's a great one, but it seems like I'm curious as to why that would be that way. Either way, it's great. I, I think it's also the abundance of records that's here, right? Like uh mm. like every single store you walk into has like some cool records like and it's because you know Japanese collectors and buyers like we even heard the story from Alec Mackay when you and me were hanging out doing the live podcast where Japanese collectors would come over to yesterday and today back in the day and and buy out the store yeah and so all these records are here now yeah it seems like a strange phenomenon that people were doing it that long ago but Mm mm-hmm well, Japan, it's like yeah. everything here. Like, I went to a wrestling store here that was like the Wrestling Hall of Fame equivalent. Like, they had, like, 
priceless artifacts of wrestling history like Andre the Giant's handprint autographed or Bruiser Brody autograph or or like the uh, the boots worn by I think it was Stan Hansen in his last match or you know all these famous luchadors masks and it's all for sale like this is like like stuff that you know I'm just taking photos like it's a museum like I'm just I'm just treating it like I'm never going to see this stuff again but if I had enough money I could take these things home with me and there's like it's almost like there's a store like that for every single interest you can imagine in Japan hmm well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get the the length that you have of, of having these experiences when I was over there a decade ago. But um, I did go to Disc Union, but I guess I didn't hit the ones. I don't know if I just didn't order look or whatever. But I didn't find anything when I went. But but what you're saying is that like it seemed like there's like a, a, a wealth at the place you went. Well, yeah, there's the, a the punk. Good. Yeah, the Disc Union I went to is in a seven floor building. Um, Mm-hmm. And they're 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 small these stores, but like when I say small, they're you know the size of like a a smaller record store. But each of these floors is dialed in specific to a, a certain genre, right? So there's a jazz store, there's an indie store, there's um, uh, I'm trying to remember the a hip hop store and something else and something else, and then on the top floor there's the punk hardcore store, which which isn't metal. There's a there's a separate store for metal. And there's a separate store yeah. for rock, you know? So it's like, and these places also will, will have some punk and hardcore records too. Like they'll have a little section in all of these stores for, for these other genres. But yeah. for them, you have to kind of go to like the main one to, to find the, the, the most selection I found. But yeah, the, of that, of that genre. Of that yeah. genre. Yeah. And then once a year they do these or twice a year, sorry, they do these sales where they hold back. I don't know how long or how much or how they decide what they're going to hold back, but they hold back like the best shit. Like it's, it's really like the, you know, the list of records that was for sale and it was a published list. They published the list, uh, weeks before to kind of build up anticipation for what's going to be on sale at this place. And it's, it really like minus the first judgment single, the first, uh, the bastard seven inch and the bastard LP. This had everything. Like, <laughs> like, like records I had never heard of that cost more than, you know, everything I bought that day. You know, like uh, I forget the name of the artist now, but I think the the seven inch is called "Do You Want to Be My Dog," and that record, like the the store opened. I lined up at seven thirty. At ten o'clock, they handed us all numbers, which dictated where we were able to line up when they actually open the store come 11. Um, yeah. I, and then at two o'clock they were putting out a record for sale. Uh, do you want to be my dog? And if I've got that title wrong, I apologize. Uh, and it was 25 or 250,000 yen, which would be almost $3,000 Canadian. Yeah. And I never heard That's of it. And I never heard of it. And it was for sale in the bin. Like, that's the thing. These are all, like, in the bin. So I'm just so used to, like, you know, having to jump through hoops and do backflips to try and gain the privilege for the dude behind the counter at the record store to decide that you were cool enough to sell you the rare record you wanted. Uh, whereas <laughs> here, it's just, like, it's just in the bin. And anyone can buy it. You don't have to. Yeah. 
be the cool guy to get it. Yeah, I think I don't know if that's unique to there or just that I don't know, just they're able to pull that off because they have so much. Or yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it seems well to me too because that's not you don't tend to see hitters like that just hanging out in the bins. No, <laughs> no, play anywhere. And like this is and like years ago when I came here, I think that was like the craziest because I wasn't even here for one of their big punk sales or hardcore sales. I was just here. Uh, and I was like flipping through the bins, and that was the time that I saw, like I think, legitimately, outside of the sale, the craziest stuff just in a bin at a record store in Japan. But this yeah. sale was like, and it was like a Black Friday. It's like people are elbowing me, like I'm getting pushed out of the way. <laughs> and here's actually like we're we're riding up in the elevator. I've got number two in line. Um, my friends from Brazil have three and four, and uh, and uh, the this ja- uh, this Japanese guy has number one. Right, so we're all riding up in the elevator, and they've got pictures of all the records that are going to be for sale in the elevator, and they've had them up for weeks, right? Because, as I say, everyone's building up anticipation for what they want to buy, and so we're riding yeah. up, and he points to the Crow record, um, the first Crow LP, and he goes, "This is for me," and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, definitely, that's an amazing record." And then I point to uh, like three records on the list, and I'm like, "These are for me, like these are the ones I'm looking for," and he goes, he nods, he's like, "Okay." So we get up there, and you know, even though I'm number two in line, you don't know where the records are going to be in which bin to go through first. So I'm going through a bin. People are elbowing me, like trying to get the records out of my hand. So I just grab a stack of records, right? And I've got a, a gauze LP that my brother wanted me to get for him, and I've got like you know some stuff that I kind of wanted, but I didn't get the three records that I was really looking for. And then I see this the guy who had number one in line. And he comes over to me. And he shows he shows he's got the crow LP, and I'm like, oh, you got that crow LP, man? That's amazing! Congratulations! I'm 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 happy you got it. And then he goes through his pile and he pulls out the three records that I wanted, and I'm like, oh, you got them? I guess you win. And he's like, and he just hands them to me. He's like, for you. And I'm like, what? He's like, nice. You said you wanted these, and I saw them, so I got them for you. And I'm nice. Yeah, I was. I gave him a huge hug. Tear it up, Chris. <laughs> Tear it up as I'm hugging him. Well, that's that's good karma for the record uh, record hunts in the future. He pull moves like that for sure. Yeah, no, he was definitely a, a very cool guy, and it was it was uh, you know like I I loved it. I had so much fun at it because uh, you know you go to record fairs and it's not like people are all collecting the same shit as you. So you don't really have that yeah. same sort of like camaraderie where you can sit down and talk afterwards about what you got or what you left behind or, oh, shit, you got that. I wanted that. Um, so to have that was awesome. It really did feel like, like a, you know, like a, a record dream come true. Yeah, there you go. That sounds great, man. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, I'm very envious. Again, you've scored records in Japan, as I infamously have never, have never done so. <laughs> well, I but think I'm, I think one day, Chris, you you and I will come back here and we'll do a turn it out of punk live. That very few people <laughs> in the audience will understand what we're saying, and uh, <laughs> we will do it for the record shopping. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that. that people, like a lot of people I met understand English very well here, so we might have a small audience, but we will definitely have a lot of records <laughs> to bring home. Nice, yeah, that's a dangerous location for oh, sure. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Like I, I kind of, I kind of feel like I have to lock myself in this hotel room because uh, you just can't help <laughs> spend money here. 
Um, I very much believe you because I mean I, I think it was expressed in the, the live tour we did, whatever. But um, it's you don't realize it's it's been like you and I used to have those moments where we would go and and like go do record shopping, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it had been a while, and then that tour kind of resurrected <laughs> a little bit of that. And pretty yes. much the first the first thing we did was that. Like we drove to Boston and, and yep. did that immediately, yep. which is not how I anticipated that trip going. Although I was very, very happy. But um, so for listeners, I guess I'm just trying to fill in the blanks here. Like, like some of this sounds like you know hyperbole or exaggeration, maybe, and you just think like, oh, Damien talks a lot about. It. No, no, no. There's no, there's not one iota of exaggeration to any of this. <laughs> I assure you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, from both mine and his perspective, uh, to be fair, so if I was there, it would be equally uh, troubling for me. Yeah, that's the problem is like also, um, you know, a, a one record collector is another record, record collector's best enabler. Like, no True, one yeah. will encourage you to buy a record like another record collector, probably to make them feel better about how much they spend on records. But like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I got these like records in my hand. I'm like, God, this is like a shit ton of money. And uh, like my friends are like, dude, you got to buy them. That's a really good price. Like you're never gonna get it for that price again. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I have to do this. There's there's no way out of the situation. Yeah. And also there's, I will say, as far as our dynamic is concerned, not that I'm throwing you under the bus here, but, uh, you're more of you get more of the marquee ones when I'm out with you that I've noticed. Um, whereas I'm like a great, I'm like in the like in the in the fishbowl of record collecting, as it were. You're like the proud, colorful fish that's swimming around at the top, and I'm I'm like at the bottom, sucking at the algae off the, like the side of the glass or whatever. But that's like that's the world I like. Like my pocket is like five ten dollar records. Like I love that if yeah. I can find. A lot of great, like just weird, bizarre things. Like that's, and not to say I love hitters and I would love, but I just find that isn't as much my forte as just trying to get like, you know, weird five to ten dollar records. Chris, so our dynamic is very good because we don't step on each other's toes when we're, when we're at it. Chris, when it comes to to record buying in Japan, I am like the lowest of the low sucker fish <laughs> at the bottom of the tank eating the droppings of all the other fish. Cause like there was like a, a woman um, in her sixties beside me that must've dropped close to $4,000 on records. Wow. Like on, and this is punk hardcore. Japanese punk hardcore was yeah. the only stuff that was for sale at the sale. Like they didn't even have, it was like all Japanese, no American junk, no Canadian junk, no British junk. It was just Japanese hitters. Nice. Well, um, I, I'm just going to chalk it up to the fact that you have so much already. No, no, believe me, Chris. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I really, I realize now that my Japanese record collection is bullshit, and I don't, you know. Like, <laughs> well, then mine doesn't exist. Yeah, well, by that crash and out, mine does not exist. Uh, like walking into the store, and also I realize I know very little about Japanese hardcore. Like for someone who loves it as much as I do and listens to it as much as I do. I know next to nothing about like 90% of the bands. <laughs> like there's so much that <laughs> I had never heard of. Like, 
bands that had second seven inches that I didn't know existed, like, you know, bands that are apparently the best band ever that I'd never heard of. It was a uh, an eye-opening experience. Um, well, there you go. But, yeah, that's and that's also, like, why this genre is so cool is just because it's, like, a never-ending onion of sadness when it comes to buying records because there's always new stuff you've never heard of. <laughs> onion of sadness. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, as, they, as you famously said and others, it never ends. Never ends. It fucking never ends. I think that's the Ryan Richardson blog to give credit where it's due because, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Rye Bread, I think, could talk better than any of us about how this never ends and, how, and the pursuit of these kind of records. Um, but I'll tell you what did end my quest to see gauze. I got to see gauze. True. I was very envious of that. You put up a thing online and I thought, well, actually I'd spoken to you, I think earlier Mm -hmm. that day and Mm -hmm. you had said to me, Oh no, it's either I spoke to you or even you put something up, but basically you alluded to the fact that you were going to miss it. Yeah. And then you ended up to see it. And so I was very, very happy for you. Envious. I've known a few people who've seen, thankfully, like because of the, the privileged social group tend to meander in uh, largely. I do know people have seen. I don't know how I'm going to pronounce it. Gauze, gauze. If it's gauze, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it is few. Few people I know have seen them. Um, but you catching it, it made me feel vindicated too. Well, I, I feel never well. Well, I think I think like I never I never ever thought I would. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to see this band. And even that day, I was like, we were in the middle of a forest about two hours away. And the thing about a gauze show is it's like concerts here are expensive, right? Like just shows are expensive. Like, you know, to see like a punk band, it's anywhere from $25 cover uh, to to 50 bucks, you know, like, like, you know, and that's just like for a hardcore show. So gauze plays and it's 500 yen, which is like, you know, six bucks. Um, nice. And that includes a free drink. And, and so, <laughs> nice. and their show sell out immediately. Like this show was completely sold out. Um, but they keep 50 tickets at the door for, for gaijin who are traveling to see them. They try and keep some tickets back, but people yeah. line up for those tickets at 10 a.m. So, Ugh. so I was like, "There's no fucking way I'm going to see the show." But I met, and he's a future guest, Dave Chris from the Chris Brothers, an incredible wrestler who's over here wrestling, also a hardcore kid who had never seen Japanese hardcore, wasn't really that familiar with Japanese hardcore, but really wanted to check this show out. So he's like, "I got a day off tomorrow. I'm going to go to the show." So he was, he, he, you know, he made his way to the show, and he was texting me. He's like dude, I think you could make it. Like, I really don't. He's like, I think there's about 30 people in line right now and they've got 50 tickets at the door. And so I, you know, we finished our shoot and I turned to my directors and I'm like, do you guys need me for the next shoots? And they're like, no, we don't need you for the next few shots. You can go. So I thank God for Google (laughs) and Google Maps. Probably. Google Map, the venue of the show ran through this forest, like ran through a forest, um, got to a bus, <laughs> got on the bus. I'm getting a visual picture of the running through the forest. Continue. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I was like running through, running through the forest as fast as my little legs could carry me. 
like stripping in sweat, like wearing a white dress shirt. Like I was not very appropriately dressed for a gauze show. Um, get to the top of this hill, get on this bus, take the bus, get on the train, take the train, and then run to the venue. And I get in line, and I swear it was like a punk rock miracle. I was the last person in line that they let in without a ticket. And uh, wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, they put wow. this chair behind me said, that said sold out, and then you had to have a ticket oh. after that. And I got to see him. Like, it was just, it was, and it was I, the best concert I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> As everyone seems to claim, yeah. It's crazy. Like, they, they are, like, this band, how old are they now? Like, 50? They gotta be 50, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I would think even maybe closer, well... I don't know. Definitely in their fifties, gotta be. Gotta be like they and and they played, no lie, one hour straight, no stops, like not even water breaks. Like they would stop for like the end of the song. <laughs> next song starts. <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I was just amused because I've heard so many of these tales, and now to hear it again, it's just it's always amusing to me. But yeah, I hope to one day catch them. Yeah, I'm very envious. Of everyone who has, I'm very like. I mean, obviously, there's any. I've seen a few Jap like a few Japanese bands that have come over, but I think you've probably seen more than me. I think you've seen more than I have. Like, I only really got I've, this was like I think my fourth Japanese like like. No, we're about even. Yeah, we're about even. I mean, I, probably the similar band. I mean, you definitely played with with at least one I've seen and stuff. So. No, I've played with, I mean, we played I, with Warhead and Forward, and we played with DSP, yeah. and those are the three that I saw until I saw Gauze. And I've seen like you know High Standard, who did have a seven hundred eight on HG Fact, and are huge here. They're like some. You never 41. saw Systematic Death. Never saw Systematic Death on those reunion shows. Yeah, I saw them. Yep, they were all right. Uh, did you see Deathside when they came back? No, I only have ever seen Forward because Deathside. I think the nearest they never. Play, I'm trying to think of where they they didn't play here. Or no, like, no, they did New York show. I they think, played. Right? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't travel to those. No. Do they do? Varney? But I, I really liked. It. What's that? What's that festival in Montreal that always has like crazy killer stuff? Varning, 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 maybe. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I maybe they played that. I don't know. I didn't travel for that. I do like Deathside a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like definitely, I mean, kind of obviously a no-brainer to say that I prefer it to some of the, the other bands. But um, yeah, I never had a chance to see them there, uh, it, even as the whatever the reunion. I don't know if it's technically a reunion or not, whatever. But yeah, I miss. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess we're about the same. But that I, I mean, I think that's the one that's for a lot of people like you and I. That's the kind of a holy grail. Yeah. Group to see just because it's kind of rare unless you lived over there for a bit or you know whatever you you're a person of certain means that you're able to get over there or for you know in your case you're working over there or whatever but yeah the only people i know have seen them have basically been in any of those scenarios it's very rare that you know someone just happens to make a choice to go see them if they haven't already like lived over there for a time or something yeah because they and they only did that one american tour where they played I forgot. Someone told me they played Minnesota on that tour, Minneapolis, but I only thought they did the West Coast shows, but they definitely wow. did a show at the Gilman and a show at the Epicenter, which a crusty tore a pipe down and flooded and ruined the show, if I remember the story correctly. Um, wow. Yeah, people must have been super pissed at that dude. 
But that was like, and even that was like almost 20 years ago now. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've never even, I didn't even know they came over. Yeah, they did that. that that's when they recorded that Prank 7-inch. The, the one that just oh, has okay. gauze on it. I think that's the, is that the, that's the only gauze 7-inch. Uh, the white cover thing, yeah. like the, is, Every, is it? I don't know. Let's look that up right now. Look it up. Um, everything else I is have LP. That, but, yeah, which is kind of funny. That bucks the uh, punk tradition. Yeah. Well. You're right. It is. That's hilarious. <laughs> I never realized that. I, yeah. I don't know why. I didn't realize that till now either. And it's also weird when you think about Japanese hardcore, it's almost like this is the one genre that does bucket like that, the punk rule. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, even just you saying they played for an hour, like it's just a lot about a lot of Japanese bands that, that seems to go against the traditional lot of, of punk bands, at least from an American perspective that I've forever. Yeah, like certainly in terms of LPs, like, you know, like how many classic Japanese punk LPs are there? Yeah, more on that, like, per, like on average per capita, whatever you want to say, definitely, yeah, more hitter LPs for sure than the counterparts stateside for sure mm-hmm. my opinion like if you if you look at like the, the potency of the amount of great LPs from X bands of that era yeah it's wild yeah. again something I never really thought about until I, I just love that they only have one sandwich. yeah well, like Gizu, <laughs> why have I never noticed that Gizu you know what it is because no I think there's in their bootleg like I feel like there's a God, there's God's 7 inch bootlegs no? well uh, I think yeah I you're right there are there are two it says here uh, Gauze and Kuro Live Seven Inch Split. Yeah, and I have that. City and, Rockers. And then that one I don't have. Um, that cover. Something else. Yeah. Staying in front. Of, where are they staying in front of? Look like a fence, but it's not. It's some wild club or whatever. Oh, and anyway, it's, it's yeah. their Farewell to Arms appearance. I didn't know they were on the Farewell to Arms comp. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> this is what the footnotes. This is what you've been missing. Well, here you go. Oh, oh. We're already getting into it. Yeah, we're definitely Oops. getting into it. Wow, like it's insane when you think about Japanese comp LPs. Like, how many incredible Japanese comp LPs are there? I don't. I mean, I know they they exist. I don't own any though. This is your territory. I don't have the depth. I'm not the. You know, like I said, I have zero. I don't have zero, but I have pretty much zero compared to you. Well, no, I have a I, Japanese collection. I don't have very many. I've, I'm just like looking at some of these comps that, you know, I forget existed or that, you know, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's a that's got that band on it. It's a yeah, it's, it's I've, I, it was a really uh, it's been a very eye opening experience that made me fall in love all over again with traditional Japanese style hardcore burning spirit style hardcore nice well, that's good um, and I gotta give credit once again to Simon Harvey Mr. Ugly Pop because there is no way that I think I would have the exposure to this music that I did so young if it hadn't been for him and and Luan at Full Blast who you know on, on Simon's kind of behest ordered all this stuff in and, and yeah like that's definitely where I got my first gauze records from so full credit to where it's due on that one thank you simon because yeah. you know i owe you for this one i think toronto to be fair as well i think toronto by and large seems to have been ahead of the curve whether or not he's the the sole reason for it but i do know that 
that's where I heard of it was from people in Toronto, not so much. I mean, I, I'd known obviously some of the crazier, like stuff like boredoms, which a lot of people know about and all that, but mm-hmm. never, never like this world until kind of really breaking bread with people like you or people like whoever. Well, yeah, no, I, and I, I and I think in, in Toronto was ahead of the curve on all this stuff. And I think you have to give Simon credit for, for all of it, you know? Like certainly, cool. certainly, like exposing, you know, um, you know, like he, like he was, he distroed the gauze LP. I mean, the bastard LP. He distroed the gauze CD. He like, you know, was he had a deal with HG Fact where he was bringing in all those HG Fact seven inches when HG Fact was putting out like seemed like a killer seven inch each month. Yeah. So I feel like didn't he do the nightmare thing too or something? Oh, he did the reissues for the uh, Warhead, and he did that forward record. And yeah, I thought if there was something to do with nightmare. I thought like did he put on the show or something? Did I don't, Craig I don't, do the nightmare thing? I'm trying to remember if Craig did a schizophrenic did a nightmare record or they did an LSD. Yeah, I'm not sure. They definitely did that, yeah, which is excellent by the way yeah. as well for people who are not familiar. Schizophrenic records, LSD. Yeah, the band. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, well, did you know there's a window pane bootleg that someone in Canada put out? I didn't know someone in Canada put it out, but it, that's the only uh, issue of that I've ever been able to like get my hand. I think I own that, if I'm not mistaken. I guess Feral War did an actual reissue of it. Yeah. Uh, like later though, yeah, for for a while the only thing you could get like it's similar to the death size were recently done by I can't remember I feel like maybe Fair Award as well recently mm-hmm. those were like booted or whatever for a while too and I own one of them uh, that I got off your bandmate probably <laughs> uh, <laughs> a decade ago <laughs> but yeah it's. It's just funny. Like I li- actually like those official reissues for that kind of stuff because I find the originals um, tend to be quite hard to come by. Maybe yeah. not so much in a, in a dog's world as much now, but those for me were always really t- – like I don't own any – I can't think if I own – I don't think I even own any original remote hitters of any of this stuff. Yeah, like it, yeah, well, it yeah, doesn't yeah, show up, so. right? Like this is like stuff that – yeah. you know what? Like once in a while like Pete would have – like he had the lip cream seven inch I remember on the wall when he opened and like yeah that's crazy and that stuff would show up there occasionally but like yeah for the most part you're not gonna find Japanese punk records really sitting in the bins unless you you luck out I've never even seen many on the walls anywhere though I think yeah. like that's that's the you know I mean like it's it's rare that from my experience I don't I don't know if other cities have a different story but um, yeah, I don't. I honestly can say I don't think I've ever, in my entire time, at least in our area, ever seen anything on the wall. Like maybe at Pete's, yeah. Like when he was around, there might have been the odd thing. I think it had the Stalin LP, if I remember, for a minute as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very rarely anything. And I have a boot. I think I have a boot of that too. So it's just like most of the stuff I have. Uh, boots of those things I don't have the originals mm-hmm. no it's like well that's the only way to get a lot of that stuff for yeah. years if Grasshopper I know co- comes over to Japan all the time to buy records for Grasshopper Records so maybe I'll give him a list yeah <laughs> yeah that's smart <laughs> a, want list great, uh, a lot of really great hip hop which I think is like I don't know why there's 
more like I don't know. He seems to get really great stuff that doesn't seem to come up here mm-hmm. over there. So I've never mm-hmm. thought to look at that world either. But it's crazy. Yeah. The the well, cause it's like every genre, every like we're talking about the punk records, but like it's every genre. It's like this where mm-hmm. they have just yeah, like they they it went. We were in China on a tour one time, and um, our our like guy who booked us there brought us there. Abe took us to like a flea market. He's like, "I'll show you where they sell records here," and it was in uh, Shanghai. It was on our last show of the tour, and we went to this giant warehouse, like flea market type thing. Um, but there were three record sellers that I can remember, and all of them were selling Disc Union Overstock. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, like one of them had like the first Cameron record and like uh, Diplomatic (laughs) Immunity Volume (laughs) 1 and like Little Wayne, (laughs) like early, like that kind of period of rap, but they had like everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one just had like weird indie records. Um, Like I got a Noise Attic 10 inch there. And it was all super cheap, but I guess this was stuff that Disc Union was just sitting on and at some point was just like, uh, just it's cheaper for us to just sell it to someone then warehouse it. Yeah. So they, there were these yeah, I think dealers and they all had disc union the, stickers on them. Still these records. That's funny. The, uh, the rap stuff you mentioned is because that era was so predominantly like CD heavy here mm-hmm. that unless you were like hip to like DJ stores or, you know, that world, they weren't, you know, you certainly weren't finding that stuff. That's kind of the stuff I tend to try and look for when I go out too, is because there's a ton that, um, if that original era that I never really came across in vinyl because I wasn't really looking at that. I have some of it when it came out, but you know, the world you're speaking of, there's a lot of really good stuff that I feel. And some of it never even, you know, from what I understand, some never even came out originally on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Now you're starting to see some of it be reissued or whatever. But yeah, this whole, whole other world never ends. That's the theme today. Never ends. Never ends. Speaking of never ending, we got to start this <laughs> podcast before this thing never ends. Uh, but before we do, Chris, yeah. do you have any record or show stories you want to get to? Oh, it's been a while. I'm trying to think of since we last talked. I can't remember if I did mention show stories or not. I think we talked about a show last time that you had seen. Oh, wait. Did we talk about you went to that Royal Headache show? I did. Did we talk did, about that? And Suicide also played. That was great. I don't know if I talked about. I don't think that, we did. I don't think we did. How was that show? It was good. It was uh, Royal Headache are an impressive live outfit, so they're great to watch, and their records are great. Um, Suicide also played. It was at the Horseshoe. Their first time ever playing the Horseshoe, so it was kind of like this interesting little hallmark, which mm-hmm. was kind of neat. And of course, they were great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a good and, show. And then, uh, oh yeah, I don't think we talked about it because I did send you a message. Ben Kiwi Jr. Oh yeah, you were saying they were amazing. They were great, yeah. Really, really good, like, I don't know, slacker pop. I don't know how you want to say it, but that's what it means to me. <laughs> if that gives you a description, listener. Um, but they were really great. So yeah, they opened and they were, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. So yeah, it was overall, it was a good gig. But um, I'm trying to think if... Yeah, I didn't really get to see your bandmates in town for a minute, and I didn't really get to see them that night either. But um, yeah, it was good. Record stuff. Um, I talked to you on the phone, but I can't remember if we mentioned this on the last time we recorded. We didn't mention it because you went. I know you went record shopping recently because we talked about that on the phone. 
I did. Uh, yeah, so I got some stuff. Again, more stuff in my pocket, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it, very in keeping with the show. I was talking to you about this. I'm going to go grab the piles right near me. I'm going to grab it yeah. quick. Because I, I actually got some 45s, which is kind of like... Uh, I, I neglect the 45s unless I'm kind of buying hittery 45s when I'm out and about. So, which is funny because that's the uh, only thing I really look for. I know that's where I don't. It's like it's not that I just find I browsing them. I don't. You are you're the guy that always goes for them first. I I tend to have to work up to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I did get uh, in keeping with our show. And again, nothing. Uh, these aren't like the super most rare things. So that you, you know the. The colossal folks out there, the colossal record folk, are not going to be too impressed. But I was happy to come on a, across. Like in the world of discogs, I find like people like, you know, like you and I have had this conversation a long time. This is like a, a reoccurring theme. When you go to someone's house and it's just all hitters, unless they were around when that shit was coming out, you're like, oh, this yeah. is this is a bought and paid for record collection. Like there's no organic, you know. Like and I, and we all buy and pay for records. Like we all buy hitter records for more than they should yeah, yeah. be. You know, I'm not saying that, but like I love I much prefer when you're going through someone's record collection and it's like it's it's just what they like. You know, cuz yeah, like Yeah, I we, agree. We could all go on now with enough money and buy the greatest record collection of all time, you know, as far as like the pantheon of every genre, but it's not the same. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I, I think uh Friend of the show, uh, David Up, summarized it well, at least when we have our communications with one another, where he talks about when he pared down his collection. Mm-hmm. And he has, I think, 100 records. But Dave had like a massive collection that you have, and he pared it down to 100, and you would have thought he would have kept like all hitters. Yeah. And he didn't, and he intentionally mentioned that he didn't do that because he didn't want to have that collection. Yeah. That, you know, like, so, yeah. Anyway, and uh, also another Austin resident and hopefully future guest of the show because I find this guy incredibly fascinating. Uh, Judd from the sec- Great yeah. Sex Vid did the opposite. When he pared down his collection, he pared it down almost like you would a uh, Magic the Gathering battle deck to his best cards, <laughs> to his best records that he could put up against anyone. And, you know, I definitely <laughs> would not want to put up my collection against what he kept because I think he is definitely kept some pretty fire stuff in every genre. So, but you know, but he also it's I think that's different because he acquired all those records like himself. He went out and worked yeah. super hard. There's no wrong way ultimately, but I just I I am with you on the sentiment where again, back to what I was saying earlier, I'm like I'm more of the five ten dollar pocket guy because it's also something I feel where and I was actually having this discussion recently with the person I find there are a ton of underrated records in like flooding around, especially punk hardcore records, and especially in the last two decades. I think there are a ton of records that, for whatever reason, aren't worth much or anything. And uh, so that is the world I try to exploit, not for future games, but just for myself to kind of know that it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned on that level. Of course, you know, I always want marquee records, and I always have. You know, my want list, and I want, you know, of course, all the classic New York, New York Harker records I don't already have. But um, anyway, this is a long explanation. I will uh, disclaim uh, more another time. But this, uh, I came across the Poise Idea Learning to Scream on 
on my recent exploits, and uh, which is a great late '90s single by Poison Idea. And if you don't know it, I recommend you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, "Learn to Scream" and other plays in Xerox Frustrate, all excellent songs. And late '80s or late '90s, pardon me. Um, got that on clear too. Uh, which apparently is the rare version. I don't know. I don't, I don't, know. I don't even know it came out on clear. I've never seen a clear one. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, I got another one, uh, Live in Vienna, which I had never even seen this before. Um, again, I was just psyched because it was on American Leather. Mm-hmm. So even if it was a later, I was willing to gamble regardless. But it looked, I mean, I haven't spun it yet, but the set list is great. Like Short Fuse, AA, Give It Up the Badge, can't go wrong with any of that. Um, and then I, I bought, it's funny because years ago I was with you, I remember one time, uh, at, of all places, Neurotica, and I came across that official bootleg double 7-inch. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't buy it, and so I recently acquired it. So those are three I came across, Poison Idea, of course, Show Fave, so wanted to shout that out. You don't see the those records one. very much anymore, either. No, exactly, and that's that's exactly right. Like that's it. That's why I was so excited. Like that made my honestly, it's made. Well, that was weeks ago, and I still am kind of high from it. Uh, and then I got the first ever, and this one's for me, uh, the might the mighty Caesar seven inch, which is not the first ever release, but it is still super cool. Uh, Ten bears of the Comanches. So yeah, and it's in a super cool like. Not picture sleeve, but like a DJ sleeve seven inch. Cause it's supposed to look, you know, like some kind of old classic. I don't know, jazz or whatever. When record. did that record come out? And, uh, it says it's funny because I didn't think it was as early as it was because I was assuming I come across these things too that, like, they'll be like you know it's been pressed three or four times and I'm just not finding the, the real one or whatever, like not finding the OG one. But I I actually looked it up and I was I was amazed like. I'm going to look up the year right now because I can't. It's not listed on the record. But um, I think like late 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 86, not even mid-80s. Yeah, and it's the – there's two versions. And actually, no, this is the only original version. They did a repress of it in 2016 as a lathe, a lathe cut 7-inch, which is some weird – yeah, I don't know why they did that, but the original is from '86, which is the one I have. That's crazy. I had and no I was idea. more than happy. Yeah, again, like I think fifteen bucks or something. Like totally made my day. So yeah. I encourage more people to get excited about ten to fifteen dollar records or even five dollar records because they're great. And uh, yeah, those were the main ones. I got some other head coats and stuff like that, but those are the ones I wanted to mainly shout out on the show because they are. Uh, that's my pocket right there. Yeah, like, I so think, I agree, there's, like, a lot of records that you think would be more valuable now, but maybe because of the internet and people's, like, people just underappreciate them right now, so there's, there's, there's cool records to be had for cheap. Yeah, I mean, the thing, too, is just, like, it, it's really, um, I find more records at this price exist because it's so difficult to, like, have listened to everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, it's easier when you go record. Like, if I go out with you and we're digging and, and like, you can hit me to stuff I haven't. And I've, that's happened many a time. Or, like, you know, anybody I know that's, like, a huge music person. It's great to go with them because then you'll be turned on to things that you might not know. And you might find a real good deal that you would have looked over. Um, 
but even like again that was totally on my own that day and i just happened to like i took the time just to browse enough and i just couldn't believe it was like it was like it's you know i don't believe in, in anything like that but it's like the you know the record gods were just throwing these things my way i was so happy about it <laughs> i was just like because i picked it up and i'm like okay i'm just gonna buy this and i didn't even really think about it and then i go home and i'm like holy thing, this is the first real deal anyway I'm amped. It was cool. And uh, yeah, that's record corner for this uh, edition. Awesome. Well, let's dive in because uh, if I don't want to go through all the records yeah. I bought because it would not be, it would make me bring up <laughs> too, many, too many memories of how ridiculous things have gotten <laughs> since I've been here. How much money? Do it, do it at a later date when you don't, when it's not so close. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it when the, when it's, when the pain is further away. But Actually, the the crazy thing is, I made a rule that I was only going to buy Japanese stuff when I came here, and of course yeah. I violated it because at Nat Records they had like no Japanese punk, but they had all this killer stuff. And one thing that I did find, you know, the band The Start, you see the seven inch all the time in Toronto. Um, it's a guy pointing. No, it's, it's like a Toronto power pop record. Um, they did an LP. They were on a major label. Um, it's not like okay. the greatest record of all time, but it's it's pretty cool. And uh, at this store, at, at Nat Records, they had the German pressing of the 7-inch, which I was shocked that there mm. even was a German pressing of the 7-inch. I'm, I'm trying to look that up, but I'm not. I'm finding a different start. Uh, either way, cool. Yeah, I'll Hey You is out. the name of the single that they put out way back when. And uh, yeah, I got some Polish records and some Dutch records at good old Nat Records, so... Um, once again, cool. You know, found found good stuff. But let's move on. <laughs> this is not <laughs> records and where to buy them podcast. This is turn out of punk footnotes, <laughs> and we got some footnotes to get to. Um, so I guess yeah, we're, start we're, it off. We're gonna dive back in with uh, Spencer Pollard from Trash Talk and Stop at Nothing, my friend who we toured with many times. There's a couple different points I want to get to on this one before technology failed us last time. And I guess I want to talk to you about this, Chris, because uh, you yeah. do love this thing that I don't really understand, and that is sports and punk coexisting. <laughs> can it happen? <clears throat> and I think You're Spencer, asking me if it can happen, my, my opinion? Well, I know your opinion is yes, it definitely can happen, but... Yes, absolutely. But I just think, like, you know, Spencer, you know, like... Anyone who's seen that video of him throwing the beer can and taking out the drone knows that this guy definitely can throw, you know, a baseball or, or something. <laughs> and uh, the fact is, yeah. he was he was on track to become a pro ball player, baseball player, and like, yeah. and there's there's like, and you know, he played football too. He talks about playing football, and it's just like almost exists in contrast to what you would expect or what I would expect because. None of the jocks in my school like punk of what, you know, the great divide is, which is punk versus jock. <laughs> yeah, usually. I think I'm trying to I'm trying to change that narrative a bit and I think that it has changed slightly, but uh, for what even what you're describing here. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, I do think though, yeah, the eras well, my young era, my younger era I definitely remember that being more of a thing. I didn't really know too many Although in Canada, I will say, for the most part, and this isn't to say like people were like NHL prospects, but people I knew, like everyone tended to always be into hockey yeah. here. So that 
kind of counts to a degree, but as far as like the hockey team kind of guys, they weren't usually. There was always a lot of like people in the punk that I've always known that have always like played hockey or been interested. So that's like a weird little connection. I can't tell if that's like a like a hoser thing or not, or but. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I'd say, I'd I think it's know. definitely a Canadian know. thing. Like, is that, like hockey. Yeah, like even I had to play fucking hockey <laughs> for like one season before I was like, never again. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think that's always been a thing. I think it's weirdly enough though that that's the one that seems to get a pass here. I don't know if it's because of like you know where we are, but mm-hmm. um, it was like football yeah, in never... the in the UK. Football in the UK gets a pass. You know, like you can yeah, be, I could see that you can be like the most died in the wool punk, but still support a football team. Yes. And, uh, I relate to that of course, but yeah, like as Robbie Brookside has proven, mm-hmm. Robbie Brookside is the ultimate guest. And we'll talk about at length, all, but because he ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Robbie Brookside in, in it's funny. Cause like, you know, hanging out with people here that, you know, don't necessarily, like, because they screwed up and didn't listen to my podcast, but like talking to people in wrestling <laughs> and they're talking about Robbie Brookside and I'm like, yeah, he's also like the most down punk ever. Like it's, it's crazy that dude's like musical involvement and stuff. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's, you know, been it, been it all and seen it all and, and stuff like that. But yeah, he is also loves Everton. And because of that, yeah. I love Everton so much. <laughs> it's, my, <laughs> it's my favorite move. Anyway, I feel like we've diverged already off of uh, Spencer a bit here. But anyway, no, we're still talking um, about it because, like, I think the, you know, and in, in spent like you know, it, I was the point I also wanted to make is what sport if football gets the pass in England, you know, and hockey mm-hmm. gets a pass kind of in Canada with some people, not myself. Yeah. Um, what do you think that sport is in America? <laughs> I would say baseball. Uh, you would because you're going to bring up Scott Radinsky, but uh, I'm going to bring up Scott Radinsky and the Melvins. I, the Melvins are obsessed the Melvins with on the baseball. Melvins, they're obsessed with baseball. Well, okay, there's there's few instances of precedent here, and I I can't disagree with any of them. Like, of course, Scott Radinsky, of course, yes. Melvins, I wasn't aware of, but of course, and of course, the most important one ever, Johnny Ramone. Johnny but, Ramone, exactly. Um, was a huge baseball guy, uh, but I don't. Know if, I feel like to me it would be like basketball though, because it's yeah, the underdog. Yeah, of yeah, you're right. Basketball definitely. But you're gets right. The... There isn't. There isn't. Although there is, I guess. Was oh no, that was Corey Parks' brother. I was, I've never known of any but, punk basketball. Uh, her brother owned a pop punk bar in Orange County. If you remember the end of the story. Yeah. That's right. That's the person that people wrote us in about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I, Cherokee I'm fine Parks, with baseball. I think is his name, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with baseball. And then the one base, <laughs> the one basketball player looks like uh, Urba, so that also counts. Yeah, that counts um, a little bit too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm fine with baseball in a sense because of that. I don't know. That's a tough question. I'm going to go with baseball just because of what we mentioned, but I feel like in my heart, my heart wants to say basketball for some reason. I don't yeah. know why. 
I kind of think you're right. Like if I'm, not, like you're thinking not 90s, NFL football. Not NFL football. Not NFL football. Despite ten yard fight, even. Yeah. Not NFL football. Well, because if I'm you listen to the Anthony Pappalardo episode, even he was like not 100 percent down with the football concept of that band. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean though, like that's the. I mean, and even floor punch, you know, makes little like yep. sort of nods to that too. But I, I just for I, for me that it just cannot be sold to me. Uh, and there's some serious. Actually, I can make arguments for. Yeah, sadly, I can make equal amount of arguments for football, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I can make. Uh, <laughs> so you can make some arguments for a lot of. You can make things. tragedy arguments for football. Tragedy. There are pictures of them wearing, I want to say, Seahawks jerseys at that. I think it was at one of this whatever Super Bowl. I think the Seahawks won. Mm-hmm. So there's proper proper punk cred with football, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough question. I'm mm-hmm. gonna plead the fifth. I don't know. But I, I you know, we we both are uh, ignoring the white elephant in the room, which is the ultimate sport, with- pro wrestling. That you know, it's all the. <laughs> I do like that you're considering the sport. That makes me happy. Dude, when you're in Japan, um, it's like when you see these guys, they are not, you know, like the average Japanese wrestler that I've encountered has like about 10% body fat and is like yeah. was a track and field star or a martial arts star or something else before they came into wrestling. Like the amount of guys that I've seen yeah. that I'm like, oh, shit, that's that dude from Pride that's now a pro wrestler. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's nuts. So there's a a real connection here, and then there's also like, you know, we've talked about Kojima and his brother who sings in Tetsuarai, um, Daisuke Sasaki right now in DDT. They're extreme champion <laughs> reps, reps burning spirits hardcore. Like, check. I my just name. love that. It's just you're just, you're so trying to make this such a thing, dude. I'm not like, trying, it's Chris. Been... It's happening. It's I know you're happening. not even trying, but you're. Real... You're leading the charge, but I will tell you, I think you're going to face that resistance like you did back in December. Yeah, from <laughs> from from skateboarding some, is always going to be. Yeah, well, like yeah, but like you know, you think about. I'm talking about like wrestling now. You know, okay. <laughs> name name like a young punk rocker that's tearing up the world of skateboarding right now. I don't know. I don't follow yeah. skateboarding yeah. well enough to be able to say this. But Nor- yeah, I don't know. yeah, I can't think of one either, Chris. But yeah, but we're not in that world. But, but maybe listeners, if you feel right in, turn up on footnotes at gmail.com. Sure. Well, okay. If if there's people, name name a singer in a punk band right now that's a pro skateboarder. Mm, it's hard. Mike Mike Vallely. Yeah. Okay. But he's like old. Right, like he's been doing it for a while. I'm, I'm going to say like, you know, yeah, we yeah. got we got uh, Andy from Every Time I Die, we've got Brody from Pride Kills, we've got uh, MVP starting up a, a hardcore band. There's like a lot. I like that you've weave weave the the use of weave is very yeah. Good. I'm over here with the world of wrestling. You're over there with the world of <laughs> skater jocks. Oh no, I'm not with that. <laughs> I, I do like skateboarding. But I'm not with that world. No, I admit like That's that not. one point skateboarding. And punk were were you know what wrestling and punk are now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I just uh, this is the the my favorite Damien uh, whatever cause of recent years. I uh, know the other one it is trying to, to connect the juggalos and and punk is your other favorite cause. That I have. Yeah, that that one is yeah that one is good too. 
but the uh, they've replaced the Danzig Ultimate Blues musician <laughs> and uh, I think of other. I, I, I said other white electric. Blues. I gave myself some uh, some wiggle room there. <laughs> I said white electric blues player. Danzig back then. I think you. Were, I think there was. Those were amendments. I think. No, no, no. That was that was that way. I definitely, I definitely would not have like been that culturally insensitive and unaware to, to try and like take the entire genre yeah. away from African American struggle and give it to Danzig. You know, but I definitely did take it away from Steve Vai. I agree, Vai and give it I to agree with you there. You're right. I took it from Steve Vai. I swear it, it was. It was quite bold. I, I feel like electric wasn't in there. Electric was definitely in there, Chris. I definitely would not, because like I, I, I would like Charlie Patton, and like uh, you know, like there's, there's, you know, there's definitely a much more, uh, there's you know, non-electric. I just basically wanted to take Steve Vai's spot and Edgar Winter, and that those people. That's who I was saying. Danzig's the better blues <laughs> musician then. <laughs> yeah, and people like Stevie Ray Vaughan. You were like, and Stevie no, Ray Vaughan, Danzig, yeah. Danzig, yeah. <laughs> Danzig one to one to three, one to three only. I'm not going. I'm not going beyond that, you know. But those are those are some some good blues records. I don't even believe that anymore. But I still believe this. I you know I still believe this punk connection thing. Anyway. It's it's a good one. I like it. I, I want you to I want you to continue on it. I'm not sure I'm with you, but I do enjoy the arguments. Um, I guess like uh, the next thing I kind of wanted to get to off this uh, episode was <laughs> the idea of, you know, the, the parallel punk scenes that existed in the late 90s. And I've encountered a lot of people like you talk to them and you're like and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I got a punk way back in the 90s. And it's like, oh, yeah, what, what were some of your favorite bands? And they're like, ah, uh, like uh, MXPX. Uh, like, and then a bunch of bands that I'd never heard of, but like, as soon as they say MXPX, I'm like, yeah. oh, Tooth and Nail. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like a parallel scene that almost existed. The only band that existed in both dimensions really was MXPX. Yeah, they seem to. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I could think of that did like that. Um, was there a band called like 90 yeah, Pound think- Wuss or something that I think existed in both worlds, maybe a little? I know the name, but I, can't, I don't yeah. know if they were, I don't know what they were all about, but uh, I do recall hearing that name, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's weird to think that that, I think what what's more interesting to me about what you're describing there is the idea of how popular, like, a whole scene of something like that, that you don't know about is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's not like that was small either, like, it, it, it was a fairly large world in terms of its reach like if you ever encounter people that like know that tooth and nail world or whatever it's and i mean tooth and nail i don't even know how many like releases they put up we got a ton let's take it to the cogs (laughs) i mean it's got to be hundreds i would think yeah no it's got to be because they were selling like millions of records from what i understand like like you know that cornerstone festival had like thousands of people that was like the big christian punk festival i think right that was it called or is this like a christian rock festival maybe and they had Cor- a punk stage corner cornerstone yeah the festival that you're speaking yeah i think that though is that is much uh earlier than i believe the the tooth and nail thing because that's just like an old from what i understand like uh kind of came from the hippie thing and just kept on it was like a i don't know how to explain it it was more of like uh it's become what you're saying now, but it it has roots in like grassroots, almost like post sixties, sixties, like um, 
you know, whatever, hippie groups that were like Christian affiliated, whatever you want to say that. And then it's become whatever it is now. I don't even know what it is anymore, actually. I had known a few people that were in, interested in that world, so they had gone to it and whatnot. But um, how many releases? Let's see here. God, like, anyway. it's pages. Like, I think there's nine pages. It's got to be. 843 oh. releases. That's, that's like, also tapes and things like that, too. Um, I think it's still going. So know. it could be a few. Yeah, it's still going as a label. Yeah. The other thing about this this label that's kind of a bizarre thing that some people don't understand is not everything on it was that. It did have the majority of that being the roots, but stuff like, even if you look, like Damien Gerardo, as far as I know, that isn't something that is just wholly aligned with that kind of thing. Or you know, There's a, there's a number of things on here, but yeah, by and large, that's what the release. Yeah. Oh, but, that was definitely what they, and also like, you know, the fact that here it says right here, the Capital Music Group, formerly known as EMI Christian Music Group, now owns uh, 100% of the Tooth & Nail Records catalog. Tooth & Nail Boot will be hmm. relaunching as a new label. Weird. So, That's you know, interesting. They bought everything. So if you want your MXPX records, that's who you have to go to the the Capital Christian Music Group now to find them. Hmm. Uh, I have been to this HQ, by the way. You went to Tooth and Nail on my travels. Yeah. Whoa. Yep. Was it a church? Not the. Uh, it was not. Um, it was. It was actually modest. It was like a house kind of thing. Um, but I don't know if it was actually like if they had a separate warehouse elsewhere, and this was just like the whatever you want to say, like the label. I don't know where the label kind of stuff happened, but it was a, a modest house in Seattle. Um, we were on tour, and one of the bands was like on the label, and they're like, "Yeah, come by," and we're like, eh, "Okay." It was neat; they were nice, but yeah, it was uh, it was not as much. I I pictured what it would be in speaking to bands that are not this entirely that are on this label. I thought it would be like cover of that Frodus record, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. conglomerate. Yeah. Like that's what I was expecting to yeah. go and see, like. The equivalent of like a mega church or something. Oh, how do we forget and, that? Uh, Frodus. Frodus is the other band that 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 like I would say is, you know, wasn't a hundred percent like a tooth and nail band that was on the label. Exactly. There's a, there's a few and there's a few that like Danielson family. Danielson family. Too, that's the other big are, breakout. Yeah. Yeah, they are that, but then they release stuff on like Secretly Canadian, I believe, and mm-hmm. so they were there were a number of things that, that kind of whatever cross pollinated, if you will. But, um, but by and large, yeah. And I think more importantly, like I remember up to, uh, you know, by the end of the mid, like the late nineties, it was always just a stigma that that's what it was. And then yeah. I think they, I'm guessing from a business standpoint, I had to like branch out a bit, I believe at a certain point, I, I don't know how well that worked, but I don't know. Did they branch out? Like, I think it was pretty, let's, let's go to the end of this discography. Like, not that I know any of these bands and Berlin, that <laughs> band wasn't, um, further seems. I don't forever. think they were, uh, all these bands. See, there's one really further religious. seems forever actually is, is the one because of, it's not entirely my world for a variety of reasons, but, uh, <laughs> Further Seems Forever is the pre, what the hell's his name? The, oh, it's going to bother me. We should know this. And we did this before oh, on the this show. Is, this is the was, Dashboard Confessional, is it? That dude or no? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. So that 
that is probably another one of like second to MXPX. Honestly, is probably the bigger of like the cross or whatever you want to say, like the the huge things of that world. That's yeah. one that like whatever became a part of the zeitgeist in a pretty big way. Yeah. Um, and like yeah, there's just there's a ton of later stuff. I oh no, Dashboard Confessional came out right out of the gate on Drive Through and Vagrant. And yeah, so, but he was in that group or whatever, I yeah, believe. Yeah, he something was. Something like that. Yeah, that's right. Now now it's all coming back to me. I, I, yeah. Um, Under Oath, too, was like another big breakout band they had towards the end. Yeah, they got huge. That's a band very, you, toured, you toured with them, right? Yeah, I went to, we toured like, um, yeah, Alexis toured with them. That's where I would encounter them. They're I mean, nice you toured with them as a fan. Following them from show to show. <laughs> well, you know that's that's what it sounds like. That's why I was like, oh, let's make a little bit of a thing here. Yeah, I was just talking about Poison Idea seven inches like a half an hour ago for a reason. <laughs> well, you <laughs> but, picked uh, your king, Chris. You picked your king. I did pick my king. I picked the right king too. I want to say, but anyway. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, there was a few a band that was on tour that we knew was Emery. Emory, yeah. Those kind of late era bands, similar to like they were smaller. They weren't like uh, under oath huge, but uh, but that world again, it's one of those eye opening things where you don't realize how big some of that stuff is. And you like if you play a show where a band like that is on, you're like, wow, like how are there are thousands of people into this? Like yeah. I don't know anybody. Like it's you know, and coming from the world again, you and I come from like. Yeah, to have like more than uh, like a hundred people at a show to me is amazing. In most cases, for an unheard of group to me, let alone you know that many. But yeah, it was a bizarre world of the early two thousands there. Yeah, like you, you, you bands with that. And I, and I don't mean to diss these bands because like you know it is what it is you know and it, and people love it. Yeah. But, uh, at the same time, uh, 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 you know, I, I kind of. Uh, you know, like the, the it wasn't my Christian rock. My Christian rock's trouble. I my Christian rock is the Alter Boys, which is the ultimate Christian rock group. The it's Altered Boys. The Alter Boys. They're they're uh, a Christian group actually, from uh, like the oh 80s. back in the day. Yeah. yeah, it's like a it's they put out one of the most incredible power pop records ever. It's honestly a no joke. Probably one of my top five favorite records ever. It's like the if I ever see another copy, I will buy everyone, and I recommend it to anybody. Uh, but it's the lyrics are pretty, <laughs> pretty wild if you're not from that persuasion. But it's still incredible. Yeah, there's uh, and, and I also I forgot the first time I ever saw Lex on Fire was playing with another Tooth and Nail band that I'm seeing on this page called Juliana Theory. Really? Yeah. When the hell? When they play with that? That I don't remember. At the that, Opera House. Then? At the I think you were. That show, working for them at that show, it was at the Opera House. They opened for him, and uh, yeah, I remember. I remember. And I remember I because remember George bent a mic stand, and you and made them pay for it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay, I remember. I remember that. I definitely remember that, but I don't remember the the. That's funny. Because I, I went to that group, show. But... I went to that show because Alexon Fire was blowing up, and so I was kind of like, "Well, I, I've never seen this band, so I, you know, I kind of want to see what they're they're about live." And this be like probably a good two years before I met you guys. Or a year before I met you guys, at least, and uh, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Oh, this band's huge! I wonder what they're about." And I stayed stick, stuck around for the Juliana theory, and uh, it wasn't my thing, um, but <laughs> it was like I was blown away at how popular this band was that I had never heard of. Yeah, 
And I, and yep. then I was like, oh, they're from the parallel dimension. It's true, that, and that's always honestly, and it's I, like I, this isn't meant as like even being disrespectful of us, like, leave me saying it that way or you. But yeah, that's always what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Whenever I encountered something like this, I was always like, this is like what. Like, like, just blown away at yeah. how big the. Uh, but I think it, it, there's yeah, like that parallel thing when you don't know what, anything about it really, and like come to experience it. You're just like, what? How is this? How does this exist? Yeah. And I think the other thing is it didn't use again because you're talking still like late '90s even or mid to late '90s for this stuff when I first encountered any of it. The you know you gotta think like the internet isn't what it is now like that idea of uh, something being so like instantly ubiquitous was not as much of a thing so for the marketing or whatever to get that for groups of that the era it was a, it was like it was very like um, surprising you know especially as like music like a music fan who. You know, I keep up with a good number of things and not know about a whole world and realize how enormous it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's how it always felt to me anyway. But yeah. Um, and the other thing I kind of wanted to get to on this episode is uh, is uh, well, there's like a lot I would love to get to on this episode because we also talked about Shark Attack and No Justice and we talked about a yeah. lot of cool stuff. Great, great. But uh, I want to definitely talk to talk about the Ceremony Trash Talk Connection. Um, cause to me, like, you know, like there it's art, you'd be hard pressed to find two more influential bands. And for some people, controversial bands in like the way that these bands have both marched the beat of their own drummers in what they've done compared to what people I think, you know, and I, this comes from someone who's tried to do the same thing in, in the band I play in, but what people's expectations of what your band should be. Uh, these two bands have kind of like gone out and done their own thing in their very different ways, but you know these two bands, which occupy very different spaces in current hardcore, both kind of come from the exact same scene and are playing together as they start. Yeah, well, I remember when they both started. So I remember seeing, I remember seeing early ceremony, uh, first seven inch, and the first kind of whatever twelve inch ceremony. I remember being quite strong at the time. Did they come? Did they come here uh, on the first seven inch? They came on the first twelve inch, and they stayed at my house. Uh, yeah, I think they had the first seven inch with them. I don't. I, yeah, they had, no. So I don't. I don't know if actually I shouldn't say no outright. I'm not sure, but they definitely came early. Like that violence bonds came out. They yeah. came through. And they played, and they played what was that weird white, Orch- white orchid. That's white orchid. right. Yeah, that's right. And it was kind of a it was kind of a crazy show. People were going nuts. Yeah. and they were very good live. Yeah, they still might be. I don't. I haven't seen them in years. But they, um, yeah, it was. They were impressed. And uh, they had like that record. Those records had like that like spastic, almost like blast beat thing going on. And I dare to compare them to any of the like the greats that everyone raves about. So I'm not going to. But. Um, but yeah, they were definitely in. They were holding their weight for that vibe, like Bay Area, you know, Slapaham kind of thing. I love them because uh, to me, early on, they reminded me of. They sounded like '97A to me. Yeah, that too. Yeah, exactly. Like those. They, they like, just like they had a pretty. Yeah, they were pretty hard. I remember they covered at that gig too. They covered Red Sea. Yeah. Pressure's on. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's an impressive choice of cover, and they did a really good job of it too. And, uh, yeah, so, that, like, I, I remember thinking they were interesting early on, 
And then um, uh, Trash Talk, I remember playing. The, only, the earliest I remember them was they played Siesta Nouveau, but I don't know. I think it was when that LP, first LP they did came out. I'm not sure if they ever got over here. Uh, I think they released those singles earlier. I don't remember uh, how that went. I can look it up, I guess. But um, Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, the they ever. played. When they came here, they were already a pretty big deal. I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, but I think they took maybe not too far. I guess their first one, I guess, is 06, demo 05. So, yeah. And 08 was that LP. I think that's the first time they ever came here. Benedetto would be the better person to ask about this. But, uh, because I think he put it on the show. But, yeah. um, yeah. But they were they were known. I remember like that's when I started seeing like the shirts more. Oh. Like it was very they were a very big deal then. They were known like, kind of right out of the Yeah, not right out of the gate, obviously around their two thousand five demo, but definitely by the time that first uh seven inch kinda came out. Or maybe it was the second seven inch. The I, walking disease is the one that yeah, that second one that yeah. I remember. I even have but yeah, like that yeah, that time, that era, I remember that being like, oh, here's gonna be a new band that's like doing whatever. And then the thing I remember, the LP was interesting because they worked with Albini on it. Yeah. And they put it. I think the the one in the states, they yeah, they did it themselves. Yeah, they put out. The, so I remember they, that was they started running their own, and they had beef with, they had beef with a label too for with a. Uh, they had something with Deathwish, remember back in the day, where they wrote like, uh, "There's like a version of the record that has like a big note on the cover about why they chose to put out the records themselves." Um, you know, and I think it's all squash now and 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 better and everything. But uh, I remember at the time they had, you know, they and they and they they went out and did it themselves. You know, and that's kind of like the thing about this band. Like I've heard people like, you know talk talk smack to me about them and and you know like whatever over the years but like they carved out their own niche um you know a hundred percent and like i have never to this day seen a more wild live band and i saw haymaker and i saw like you know it's funny because i remember lee one time telling me like yeah what was haymaker shows like and i'm like "Uh, about half as crazy as your shows (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I never um i don't i think i must have watched them at that when they played here but honestly i have no recollection so maybe i didn't even see them that show because i've never that was the only chance i think i saw i don't think i've ever seen them so it's funny i don't have a a comparable experience to what you're speaking to yet the first show we played this is actually an amazing story and i think uh given where all these people have gone in life it's it's even better um, it was a, t- a pretty horrible situation um, to be playing. We were playing a benefit for Oscar Grant's family, uh, who was a um, man murdered by cops while he was handcuffed on the BART on New Year's Day. Um, they handcuffed him and then shot him in the back. And it's, you know, it's one of the most atrocious kind of like murders of a black man I've, you know, I've ever re- re- video footage that I'd ever seen and it was like we went and played this benefit show for him and uh, Spencer um, no sorry who was someone in the band knew him and was really good friends with him so that's how we got on the show and they asked us to play it and so we went up to play the show and 
it, we were in this stupid vegetable oil powered school bus that broke down all the time, and uh, we didn't get there till like. When did you guys have that? Well, we were on. I don't mean to derail your story no, here, but I yeah, I don't. That we era. were on the fuck yeah tour, and that's how fuck yeah toured was in this converted school bus oh, that okay. ran on vegetable oil. That yeah, never once ran on vegetable oil. Like we paid for gas the whole time, um, and it was you know. Uh, it was a, it was you know breaking down all the time. So we got there very late. Uh, Trash talk had to play super early, and there was this huge gap. And um, so I, Lee talked to me, and he was like, "Can we can we play some more songs during your set?" And I was like, "Absolutely! Like just jump on our gear." Um, and so he jumped on the gear. I got off the stage. I had to go to the bathroom so badly, so I run to the bathroom, come back, get on stage. And by the time that I had done that, there had already been like a massive fight. Between you know that guy Bryce that went over and fought ISIS, the guy from uh, War yeah, Crime, yeah, yeah, War um, Crime, yeah. Garrett from Trash Talk uh, at that time was had adopted a style of dress, um, and I believe he was actually very much practicing sort of like the Islam, right? That was his faith at yeah. the time, and yeah. as he was walking to the ring, the ring, the stage. <laughs> You can tell him in a wrestling state of mind. But this is where the story's going to a place that should have been in a ring. Uh, Bryce yelled out, and his, his, he says he yelled out, fuck muscle men. Right? Garrett heard, okay, yeah. Garrett heard, fuck Muslims. So okay. Garrett responded by saying, what the fuck did you say? And a big brawl broke out in the middle of this set. And then we get back on stage, and I get back on stage. I had no idea this brawl had happened because it was all over by the time. It, I had only been in the bathroom for like two minutes. And I get out there, and I get back on yeah. stage, and I'm like, give it up for trash talk. And everyone, and there's just like this like silence of just super awkward tension in the room uh, because there had been this massive brawl. I've seen like crazy shit happen at trash talk shows. Crazy, crazy shit that happened at trash talk shows over the years. Crazy. Uh, I uh, I don't uh, I don't have any experience comparable sadly with them, but I've seen footage. Yeah, it's wild. Like I've seen them on. I can't remember what the hell was covered them recently. I feel like it was like a, a noisy thing, maybe or probably that makes sense. Uh, what was it on? Or the parents? Uh, one of their parents runs a. Uh, it's gonna bug me. One of their parents runs like a crazy restaurant that was covered Garrett. on something. They did a little track. Garrett's dad yeah. runs a runs a restaurant. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah, so they covered that or whatever, but they showed footage like of, of a recent, like a more recent trash. That thing was wild. Their, show, their shows are still wild. Like yeah. I, I could go on. Like I could do a whole episode because we played with trash talk so much over the years. So just like crazy shit I've seen. Like like uh, like uh, oh, just <laughs> so much shit. <laughs> like just like shows that were like one time we got to a venue and there's blood all over the ceiling. And we're like, what the fuck happened? They're like, yeah, Trash Talk played here last night. <laughs> it's like, okay, that explains it completely. You know, there's like, there's, there, if there's one band that's got to write a book of tour stories one day, it's that band. Because they have some ridiculous tour stories. And Ceremony, too, on those early Ceremony tours, it's like wild shit. Like, I don't want to get anyone in trouble by telling these stories because maybe there's still, like, statute of limitations involved. But, like... <laughs> There's some insane behavior that happened with both of those bands. And, like, you know, like now Trash Talk, fuck, they, they, they backed up Little Wayne at a show one time, you know? And, and, and Ceremony's gone on to become 
this you know respected indie band as well so it's kind of it's interesting that you know both these bands started the exact same place together yeah like did, did they actually start though in the same like, from the same city or something no or just no but they were just band? like okay, yeah. there was a kinship they were close enough that i think there was a kinship right away gotcha because um, like uh ceremony um is from uh like the bay area and uh yeah and um trash talks from sacramento so it's like yeah you know a few hours away and i think like both those bands doing the style that they were doing at the time fast hardcore uh found like a kinship right out of the bat yeah it makes sense but i don't i remember that like if i'm thinking of them like in that era those are two of the you know the bigger groups that like i don't know the, i don't know what the equivalent of that now would be it would be something like like turnstile now or uh, yeah you know, groups like that, like groups that just get that kind of reach that next level that mm-hmm. clearly come from that world. And, you know, before it would have been like a cold world or I don't know, whatever. Well, I don't think like, I, that. like, but that's the thing is like I think they got bigger than you know just about any band or like not bigger, but but like I don't know, expanded their reach, diversified their reach. More than yeah, any other band, like I love Cold World. I love Cold World. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. But they kind of stayed in that, in that, in in the hardcore, you know, playground. You know, they never really. Yeah, no, no, agreed. I, I don't mean in the reach category. I mean in the idea of like the there's always these groups that seem to be annoying that get, you know, I don't know. I, like I hesitate to say bigger because it's bigger within a certain parameter. But mm-hmm. the idea like. Uh, like Cold World is a good example of a certain era, but obviously I feel like I agree wholeheartedly that Trash Talk got way better than that, uh, or even Ceremony, frankly. Both of them are unique, though, because I think of their era, you did not see. I mean, even you guys did a jump because Ceremony was on Matador for a second, right? Or still, they're on, still on They're still on Matador. So they're still on Matador. So the, they, they and you guys did that jump, right? And so those kind of you weren't seeing that happen for a lot of those other kind of bands stayed in the whatever in the in that certain world that didn't really have a lot of reach mm-hmm. i don't know how i'm expressing myself properly here but like it's just when i think of groups that were like kind of marquee for certain years or eras or whatever like i think of like bigger groups like for a minute it's like trapped under ice mm-hmm. is bigger like mm-hmm. uh you know trash talk or ceremony or you know, Cold War one for a minute, or is still whatever to a certain degree of people. Um, and it, like, it's just there were those bands. Like I'm thinking of them in this stage where I was speaking, like those first couple records, kind of thing. Yeah, like, they became the enormous. Yeah, yeah, like they're there's they were they had the zeitgeist, um, and then yes. like the thing is like as any band that's played punk hardcore knows, like you can have that zeitgeist, and then eventually the table will turn. And your band will yeah. become the the forgotten band, and so I think that's why you know I I kind of you know and I say this as a band that made that quote unquote tried to make that jump to another world and, and and did make that jump to another world, but that's why you know I will never knock a band now for trying to do that because <laughs> you know it's either you know die on the vine or try and make that jump and try and do something different and play, yeah. and even like you see like you know bands like dudes that were in bands that didn't do that jump before are now in bands that are making that jump and, and going into different worlds you know um, yeah. I'm thinking about like a lot of bands that were like 
a lot of friends of mine that played in hardcore bands that are now playing in more traditional metal bands that are doing incredibly well with that sound or you know and i think trash talk and ceremony are, are two bands that definitely were able to kind of successfully do it and still yeah, kind of retain their identity yeah true i think very much that's the case that's that's the most important part of the the equation um because these aren't even bands that I've followed a great deal from that initial period, not for any like you know reason of not doing it. I just just never did. Mm-hmm. So like, but I've always you know when you see the way they sort of the circles in which they come, like they they still exist. It doesn't seem to be an issue. Like you you always talk fondly of them. I know people that kind of seem to sort of know them as well. And that's you know. It's, kind of, it's just like that idea of any group that becomes established, whether or not it's commercial to a degree, that doesn't lose that aspect of who they were as a, like a band identity or whatever. Yeah, you got to fight to retain it. you got to definitely fight to retain it. Yeah. Um, uh, and I guess this brings us to uh, – is there anything else you want to get to from that episode? Uh, I think we covered most of okay. that. No, we should be fine. I can't think of it. You said something about Jimi Hendrix. Well, yeah, earlier, like Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, getting the 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 punk pass and like the idea of that, that every town, um, or every, uh, actually, no, this is more about the corn thing than the Jimi Hendrix thing. Sorry, uh, Jimi Hendrix. Sorry, is is gets a punk pass right the way. You hear that from older punks too. But I mean, corn gets the pass in Bakersfield where like anywhere else corn is like a new metal band, <laughs> but in Bakersfield yeah. it's different, you know? And it's almost like if a band's from your hometown, you take them up differently because you kind of have a connection to them. Um, you know, like, like Sloan to a lot of people is like an indie rock band or like, you know, a Canadian alternative band. But to me, they're directly connected to punk and hardcore and the punk scene. Because yeah, I'm, I'm from where they live. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, you're not from Halifax, but yeah. Well, I where they true. live, not where they're from. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, I see what you mean on that one. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like bigger examples of that, but yeah, I follow you on that. I don't know. Well, like you know, like and I'm sure, through. like uh, well, you know, what a great example that's really close to home to both of us would be Alexis on Fire. Yeah. You know, like if you don't, yeah, I think they're. They're an interesting one. I think they're similar in that respect, but I think now they're spread out a little bit where uh, I think for a time it was very much where my area is that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, now absolutely. They, uh, now they're more or less in your city, so it's, I should say that, except George, <laughs> yeah. as he would want to be known as not living in Toronto but Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I do like the idea that there's like the like a hometown group that does well that people still stick behind, and that people I don't know if that's get in your hometown that people not from the hometown get. Oh, outside, yeah, yeah, that's true too. That's a good. That's a port. That's an important point. But yeah, like for you, yeah, you knew Alexon Fire was a punk hardcore band the whole way through, like you know, or came from that world, or members definitely came from that world. Majority of members came from. Yeah, that world. yeah, sure. Where yeah. whereas like. You know, for me, until I until I met those guys and really through you got to know them. Yeah, I just was like, yeah. these guys are a bunch of like screamo kids from the suburbs. <laughs> like it has no connection to punk or hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah, you know, but that's because I was yeah. also a hater of them at the time. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, I mean, I probably, I mean, 
it's it's yeah you're summarizing it perfectly i have nothing to add on that yeah you're totally that's exactly right and it's it but it's always the case you know what i mean if you're Mm -hmm. if you're not Mm -hmm. um whatever connected to something like directly of course you're just going to you know have your biases that you have as we all have you know Mm so i i understand i don't I don't know. Maybe getting older now, I don't really worry too much about that because it, it doesn't mean a great deal to me anymore to, to be concerned about those things. But um, then you got to check yeah, your priorities, Chris. You got to check your fucking priorities, <laughs> son. Well, no, I just I don't mean like it's. I get that people always pass. I just like I'm not. You know, I'm not going to change anyone's mind anymore. No. Like it doesn't i don't have the the time or effort like i don't i'm just too tired now to bother with that but yeah for very much like a long time i used to have to not defend people but like always kind of had like explain to people that would have say an opinion like that every now and again um i was more the person on the front line yeah you were you were you were definitely the guy who was Um, like no these guys are legit and and well and i think too the the other thing was is that um the people that I would occasionally encounter would never seem to have an issue with me, but would then want to pass judgment on other people that were my friends. And yeah. I just always thought that that was bogus. And because it was like this weird double standard and, and I don't, you know, but now again, who cares? But yeah, you're, I think that's a funny phenomena that exists. Like the, the understanding this phenomena if you're from that area and then everyone else not misunderstanding it. All right. Well, that's it for uh, the Spencer episode. Hopefully Spencer will be back. Spencer's also got like a, a toy line he's launched now. So find him on Instagram. He's got some cool stuff that he's doing. Um, once again, like, an, you know, uh, kind of like, like, like Woj from, you know, Cole, as we were talking about, who's having like insane success right now as a designer. You know, and finally getting the recognition he deserves. Because let's face it, Cold World always had the best merch. Um, <laughs> as has been discussed on the show, yes. Has been as discussed on the show, and he's you know now doing really well, doing clothing lines and and yeah, like you know, and Spencer's moving into toys now. So I love seeing that. I love seeing my friends from punk go into something else they feel passionate about. As I sit here making a TV show about wrestling. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's now it's time for. The uh, first ever sort of turn out a punk live because I don't really consider them turn out a punk live unless Chris is there. So this is like turn out a punk live from the house of vans is what I'm going to call these ones because uh, <laughs> um, and turns out a punk. This is early because the good people at vans have come on board and sponsored this podcast. Uh, they decided that it would be awesome if I flew out to do these live podcasts. And let me tell you, I agree. It was awesome. Um, unfortunately, I'd missed the one in New York when I was supposed to do interviews with Downtown Boys and Royal Headache because my flight got rained out because of the weather, which sucked. But I did get to do this one with the Lawrence Arms and Dillinger 4 uh, in Chicago. And also Toys That Kill played, and I didn't have a chance to talk to Todd, which really bummed me out because Recess Records and FYP are like two really huge things that I'm fascinated by and love. But I did get to sit down with Lawrence Arms and Dylan Jafour and talk about Chicago and Chicago punk. And, uh, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, unfortunately, short, but uh, all parties involved have agreed to come back for future episodes. And I think I'm going to hopefully do the Patty one real soon because that was uh, a very requested guest. 
and someone that I'd wanted to talk to for a super long time. And so, you know, and Eric too, because Eric, after all, was one of the members of the original set group of seven inches on the greatest label of all time, Victory Records. <laughs> he was in what, Billingsgate, right? Yeah. Or one yeah, of those? Billingsgate. Yeah, so, amazing. So uh, I guess like we should uh, dive into this episode. Um, I guess the one thing that I really want to talk about is Chicago and the idea of Chicago punk really coming into its own in the 90s. Okay, uh, you got to guide me on this one. I want to know your, you got traced, you got well, You got articles of faith. Argument. You got articles of faith. You got the effigies. You got naked ray gun. Um, you got all these mm-hmm. bands in the '80s, right? And and it's, and it's big, and it's it's great. And these bands were big and big black, yeah, and, and big black, and all that. yeah, and, and and that stuff's great. And it's and I love all those bands. But to me, Chicago gets most interesting. And I'm not saying the music's better at this point, but it definitely gets much more interesting when the '90s hit. And you, all of a sudden, you've got this world. And I think it's you know it's best kind of indicated by this compilation called Octung Chicago. And I talk about it on a future episode with um, uh, with Tim from uh, Cap and Jazz. But this was like a comp. When you go through the list of bands on it, I think this speaks to why this time in Chicago was uh, was so insane. Like it's was the trench mouth on this. This was the Armist and trench mouth, wasn't it? Dude, this is I no, I, I don't think I, I talked about it with him. But yeah, they're on it. Trench mouth is on it. And uh, yeah. and and also so is Los Crudos, so yeah. is uh, Cap and Jazz, so are yeah. um, uh, the Vindictives, I believe. Yeah, and the most underrated, one of the most underrated Chicago bands, the Bow Weevils. The Bow Weevils opinion. are on that too, like another incredible mm-hmm. band. Um, you know, like and and this the Underdog Records <laughs> who put out this compilation, I think this is a is like an incredibly underrated label for the amount of incredible things they put out like from impulse manslaughter to the first screeching weasel lp to the first cap and jazz seven inch to you know like they're, they're like all the all the bow weevils early records too um this is like the label to me that you know it it, it kind of like you know speaks to this point that i'm trying to make um that you know as cool as those bands that we mentioned off the top are this is where it gets really cool. I see what you mean. I think, I think what it is is it just seems to become the the Chicago that people know now is sort of in this window. But I'm with you. Like I of that for like Evagies I love, Articles of Face I love, of course. Naked Raygun I don't know a great deal. Like I like. It's kind of funny because that kind of comes up in the episode. Which mm-hmm. the theory is like the. They're only a Chicago band kind of well, thing or whatever. Like I like That's them cool. a lot, but yeah, that I've I like them, them too. Yeah, like it's a Chicago. But thing. it's it's yeah, it's never it's never been my world. I guess is what I'm trying to establish. But um, but yeah. Whereas like something like Crudos is oh yeah, that was like or Bullweevils, like I said, or yeah. even some of the Screeching Weasels. Like Smoking those, Popes on this compilation too. Smoking Popes, yeah. Like I never was huge into them either, but like. I know what you like. That was more, and then maybe it just showed my age, frankly. But um, and even Captain Jazz, I'm obviously familiar with two Vindictives, of course. Love. Shut. What the hell label does he do again, or did he do a VML? He did the VML. There we go. 
the live series is Mar- amazing live anyway. series. Yeah. Oh, this is actually. Um, sorry, yeah, I was thinking so, of Octung Chicago Zool is the name of this one because this is the the first Octung Zui or yeah. something. Yeah, the first Octung Chicago yeah. has got some great bands on it, including Billingsgate, Screeching Weasel. So Billingsgate, it's the pre. This whole compilation series, there's three of these compilations in total. Um, the first one's got Billingsgate, Screeching Weasel, Gear, and I think Gear is the most underrated Chicago band. They are amazing. Like that's like the the perfect middle ground between Naked Raygun and, and 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 like sort of the more modern Screeching Weasel, all that kind of Chicago stuff that came after it. Um, and uh, yeah, and then there's the an Apocalypse Hoboken as well. And then the second volume, yeah, that's the, yeah. The, yeah, and the second volume is the yeah. one we're talking about with like all these insane bands. And there's even a third yeah. volume, which has Slapstick, which is the pre-Lawrence Arms band, and also has uh, the Meshuganas, which is the pre-Los Crudos band, and has like a bunch of other bands on that too. So, like, I, I don't know. It's things like Chicago during this period. It's like, wow, there's there's some real incre- incredible stuff happening there. Yes, and also sort of attached to this because I can't remember the exact year. You can even credit the Dwarves to Chicago because they were there initially mm-hmm. too, but I can't remember when they left. But mm-hmm. I feel like I they it left was, in the eighties, though. Yeah, but it might not have been too far before this. Like you think that yeah, Chicago comp in the nineties? Like they're not on that comp, so that might suggest they were long gone. But either way, I know what you. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I like this theory. I'll, I'll say I'm back to this theory for the time being. Yeah, until like someone proves me other one. Yeah, like there's a, like, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. And there's like a lot of stuff that happened in Chicago. Like I think Chicago, it, like it's most reflective of the diversity of '90s hardcore than any other yep. city. Like every other city feels like it was almost dominated by a specific scene, whereas Chicago feels like. It was the intersection point for all these different things that were kind of happening at the time. Yeah, I could see. Like, I I am with what you're saying. Yeah, on all this stuff for sure. Like, it just just these comps, even that second one, just show the diversity in like styles. Mm-hmm. So that alone kind of gives the indication. First one is a little more up the middle, I think, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like that. I have nothing to add on it other than that. I like the groups mentioned, and yeah, good stuff. I don't didn't know these comps. I learn something new every time we do this show, Dan. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't really. I like. I knew about these comps, but it wasn't until I kind of went to Chicago and was thinking about this. And like, I, I went record shopping there, and I picked up a bunch of seven inch comps that had come out. And it's like, oh yeah, braids from there too. And there's like. There's like this whole Chicago emo kind of scene, but then there's also that kind of like Chicago, like thrashy hardcore scene that's happening at the same time with like you know Crudos, MK Ultra, and, and Charles Bronson, and uh, yeah, all the all the other bands in that kind of world as well. And then then there's also this pop punk scene there that's like you know some of the biggest bands that came out of pop punk, and then there's also yeah. like this weird arty stuff like Trenchmouth and and. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a cool place to think about all this stuff happening and yeah. existing kind of together. Yeah, which is the part that's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Like that, 
because even in like even like Toronto as an example, not that it's comparable in this respect, I guess, but you don't see a lot of that. Like there's diversity in Toronto for sure in the types of groups, but it doesn't seem to be cohesive in that you couldn't put out a comp and get everybody on that, mm-hmm. especially in 1990 or 93, and it be you know something that's like as whatever established as this. Dare I say? Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, it speaks to that for sure. Um, so that is that for, uh, that topic. Uh, now we got to move on the controversy <laughs> from this podcast, Chris, which is what a controversy that rears its ugly head every few months. Rev. I can't remember what the first rev seven inches <laughs> versus the first victory seven inches. I have to relook here. But it's funny. I was thinking of this the other day. Um, I gotta, I gotta pull them up. I don't have them. I know you probably know them off by heart. Maybe but I, I don't. do not. God no! What do I look like, Sean Moe? <laughs> I don't know all those records off by heart. But I got to call it up too. Yeah, what was it? What was it one eight? You said or one? Uh, I think I'm going to go. What's the What's the classic again? Like right up to the comp, right? Um, yeah, I'm trying to see here. So it's the. And I don't think anyone agrees with yeah. me on this point. I should put that out there right off the top. <laughs> Like even people that played on these records try and argue with Speak me. Because nine, you can say right on the walls and so on. I'm trying to find the catalog numbers. Chain of strength is ten, so if you're going as high as, well, I don't know how high do you want to go. Uh, uh, I guess I guess chain of strength is the last one that we got. I think it was like it was it was like ten or under. I feel like you said initially. Yeah, I'm trying to find victory one to ten. I'm trying to hopefully I can pull it up easily on here because it's always a pain. There's so many releases. Okay. So yeah. what for the first victory ever is is why that was forced reality or not forced? No, reality. inner strength. Was, uh, the inner strength seven inch. It is. Um, thought, who put out visual discrimination? I thought that was them. Did the first one? No, Nemesis. Nemesis, damn. Anyway. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, I don't even know if I back my own argument. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now that I have this laid out in front of me like this, like I'm like, yeah, oh, fuck. Inner Strength. Yeah, Inner, inner strength. strength, Billingsgate. Billingsgate, I stand by. I'll take that. The one that's really strong here is the Integrity. That one. Integrity is really good. I would take. If you took it out, like if I'm taking Integrity over definitely the Grill Biscuits. Taking it over, no for an answer for sure. Yeah. Taking it over. Uh, I'm probably taking it over side by side. Yeah, I was gonna say it might, but I'm probably taking it over side by side. Really, I'm not. Really, it comes down to. I love that. The I I love that. And Warzone definitely kills inner strength. So. Uh, yes. Yeah, really, no, Rev Rev does win. It really comes down to, like, the only ones you can really, like, argue you lose or no for an answer and, and the GB 7-inch, because, like, you know, I'm not one of those Gorilla Biscuit haters at all. Like, I still think no, it's, like, either, an incredible it's LP. It's just not. It's not that. Yeah. It's, it, it is what it is, that record. It's like, an, it's like a, a small sampling of what they would become. Yeah, but to be fair... You know, again, if we're going to break this down, let's go to a more nuanced argument. Integrity versus Grill Biscuits. Who had more better LPs? Integrity. Whoa. Who had better 7 inches? Integrity. Integrity. Like, it's it's a wrap. Like, yeah. I mean, they lasted longer, of course, but, like, 
and there's you know don't get me wrong i don't love everything that both these groups did period but you know it's i'm picking integrity in that argument all day would long you take, that's why though, i said it would you take gorilla biscuits as a whole versus integrity as a whole and i'm saying as a whole like you gotta take all the bag i know yeah yeah 2000 with you too yes 100 percent 100 percent all day long then, then it's difficult for me because like i really do think like gorilla biscuits as like a, a as like a defined package it's kind of like the seven inch and the lp and then a couple comp tracks and that's it that's like pretty solid listen they're great. I just mean what it is, is it, for me, it just speaks – integrity speaks to more of my sensibilities as far as the like aggro part of like that, especially the early era. I really like that stuff, and to me, it doesn't get matched on the other end. But, you know, having said that, I've never been a huge GB person anyway, so yeah. that's not a fair argument. Like I said, I, I wouldn't have taken it over side-by-side, side. Warzone uh, – what else is here? It's been the first sake of it all incredible – I'm not taking over that. Incredible. Yeah, it's like, and it's weird because the that group, you know, Sigvaldal is still a very active group. Um, so people, I think this record gets taken for it, but this seven is incredible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not taking it over Break Down the Walls either. Yeah, it's hard to uh, take it over Bold though. I might take it, it over. I'm gonna take it over Break Down the Walls because I'm like the I'm like the Youth of the Day hater. But I saw you today live and it was amazing. But yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan. What anyway, what I'm what I'm validating in your argument here is that people will scoff at your argument, and uh, I think for the most part they're right too. But <laughs> <laughs> the one major but in your favor is that integrity seven inch and that comp. In, the uh, only and the comp the comp is fucking killer. And the comp, you're right, is incredible. Both of those are incredible. Yeah, like it's got like it's like that comp, Generation of Hope comp. I think is my number one for like hardcore comp, seven inch comp. Yeah. But like Mean yeah. Streak, Integrity, Confront, that that uh, life cycle song, Essence is killer. Face value and mm-hmm. insight. That's yeah. Like I'm with you. I, I'm yeah. A solid six songs. If you were going. Against- the sad thing is, like, the only way you're going to compare those early ones, those you can get all the together comps. Like, no, it loses to the to the together I, comp. I don't but. know. I'm going to now. I'm going to go back and look at the uh, together comp and and try and like. No, it loses. It loses. And uh, there's one, I have a there's. A, I I know. Here's no. I you know what. This is going to say I'm crazy. I'm taking it over Super Touch. I'm taking it over Youth Today. I'm taking it over Bold. I'm taking it over Gorilla Biscuits. Like like sick of it all. Uh, on those comps. On those comps. My on life, those comps. Sick of all, my life is great. Yeah. Yeah, that's my a life great is like, you know, it's one of my favorite Sick of All songs. So I, I don't know if yeah. that, if I can put any of those songs over top of that. But I, you know, like those aren't like Talk is Cheap is def- is a definitive bold song, I guess. Better than You is not the definitive Grill Biscuit song. Uh, um, as One War Zone, nothing's hitting no, that. That's nothing's the best hitting one. I'm taking. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I can't take anything over from As One. That that that's still there. Like, yeah. but I'm saying like I, I think I'm going to go with those six songs over these seven songs. No, not not <laughs> over these seven songs because As One wins. But I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're <laughs> this has gone really nuanced here. Point being, uh, I'm not so sure you're you're. you're <laughs> Sensational theory holds up as far as like one to eight, or whatever. but uh, 
but I do like that there's some, you know, you get a little bit of an argument in there because that integrity is super strong, and so is that comp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that comp so. is, is amazing. No, yep. it's, it's, a, it's a damn good one. I'm going to stand behind it forever. Um, I think you might have a better argument for, like, ar- arguing later in the catalog, saying, like, whatever, like... Victory from like I don't know whatever eleven to whatever is you know something like that. He could probably find a pocket where they could go head to head, and I might I might side with you there. Um, one second, I just gotta write someone back. It looks like I'm going to the G1. There you go, buddy. Woo! Just got tickets. It looks like I think they're gonna be terrible, there but go, I man. don't care. I'll be there in the building. Exactly. I know. Exactly. So, yeah, um, as far as that episode, what else did you want to get into since uh, we parsed this one for you? Oh, uh, God. I'm sorry, Chris. I'm just so distracted by this te- text I'm sending back uh, uh, to this guy. That's okay. Do what you got to do. These tickets are that my expensive, phone is too. Going, my phone is going to oh, die. Wait, oh, wait. 28000 Oh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Twenty eight thousand, yeah, two eighty. Two hundred eighty dollars. Oh, I read that. Twenty eight thousand. Twenty eight thousand. Yeah, so it'd be two two eighty. Well, three hundred ish. Three hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your dreams are dashed. Let me just check the finances. Because that is <laughs> when, it, when I thought it was twenty eight hundred, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, that's twenty eight bucks. I'll go for a hundred percent." But now I'm like, oh, two hundred eighty dollars. I'm gonna get killed. Um, but that's not for anyone else to worry about. That's for me to worry about. <laughs> uh, what uh, what else? There's something. There's got to at least be a point or two left in this before my phone dies. <laughs> oh god. Well, let's. Uh, well, you, I don't. Want your we're not going to be able to get to Jello. Sadly, you we don't think we Jello. Jello? No, there's a lot. And or nor Dave Perner. I literally have like five percent on my phone. There's we're no gonna way. Die. We're going to die. Well, then, Chris, yeah. why don't we just wrap here? Okay. Cool. Because you know, there's a you know, it's a it was a fun short episode. There's a lot of fun stuff in there, but I think we I think we tackled the two main points I wanted to get to: Jello, Dave Perner, uh, Roger. Yeah. Uh, uh, they are going to wait, and then also yeah. coming out. Uh, it's probably going to be out by the time this is out. But uh, Cap and fucking Jazz, Tim from Cap and Jazz, and uh, the Blackouts, my buddies uh, Ativa and Ao are going to be on the show, and it's uh. It's it's a it's a killer episode. Very funny. Live once again from the House of Vans in Chicago. Um, it's going to be longer than the, it's longer than the last one, and uh, yeah, it's a good time. So please check those ones out. Uh, Chris, how do they get in touch with us here? Uh, turned out a punk footnotes at gmail dot com. Um, uh, turned out a punk, and uh, you can find. Uh, me at all forms of social media at left for Damien. And, uh, if you want to get in touch with this podcast, do it through that footnotes address. It's the best way. 
And if you would be so kind as to subscribe and write and rate a review. And uh, when I come back to Toronto, I'm going to have a, uh, we're going to figure out something where we're going to do a live turn to punk podcast, Chris. That's cool. Because we've got a lot of shirts to sell. I'm going to have a lot of financial. Should do it in, are you home, are you home in October? Pardon me? Are you home in October? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I will be. Let's back. try and figure out something for them. Yeah, let's definitely uh, figure out something in October. Or yeah, let's figure it out. We got. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some fun. Chris, this has been amazing as usual, and thank you, yeah, my man. buddy. Hey, no worries. Take care. All right. And enjoy the uh, the great country <sighs> and city. I will. I will. I'll try and come back and <laughs> with a little bit of money. <laughs> cool. All right, All right buddy. buddy. Talk to you soon. See ya. Peace, Chris.